historians will mark the end of one era and mark the beginning of another. T-E-T-C. The end times continue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the End Times Continue recording on this, the 23rd of April. I am Dino, and you are? Nine Ace. Man, how are you doing today, sir? Uh, fighting for my life because of allergies. Uh, oh, that's God. what I've been doing this week. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. If I sound a little stuffed up on this episode, it, it's because of that. It's because of allergies. Allergies <laughs> always kick my ass around this time of year, every year. Ugh. I used to have them. Uh, I used to have them the worst when it was uh, in the spring, going into the summer. And as mm-hmm. the summertime hit, there had been enough time for the grass to grow, <laughs> and so <laughs> I uh, had to mow on with a big fourteen foot shredder in a. In an old old school John Deere tractor with a glass cab and a and uh-huh. and but you had to keep the windows open because the AC and the cab didn't work. Um, <laughs> they never do. <laughs> <laughs> they never do. And so on this fourteen foot shredder, I had to mow uh, the a big hundred acre plot. I had to mow right aways. I had to do that. That would take about a week to get all the mowing done. Yeah, you have um, all that pollen in the air uh, and oh. It was the worst. The absolute Man. worst. Yeah. Oof. But it was money. So. <laughs> I can't be too upset about it. I got paid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I hate, I hate that shit. And down here, yeah. there's, uh, there's allergens down here that I am not used to. In Houston. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a different experience. Of course, it's not as as verdant, I'm sure, as where you are. Uh, I don't know. It, it, sometimes I think I'm just like overly susceptible to allergies in the springtime. Uh, sometimes just like no matter where I go, I seem to get them like equally as bad. I guess. Uh, uh, I've I've had them worse. Like you know, I'll know it's really bad when I can't stop sneezing for an entire day. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> that's never fun you wake uh, up sneezing you just yes, you wake yes. up and the first thing you do as soon as you get out of bed you take a you do a big yawn and the first thing yeah. you do is sneeze yourself out of a big yawn it hurts yeah it's a, ugh. yeah and then you forget who you are for a couple minutes of break. it's a great <laughs> time your throat gets all dry and scratchy yeah. ugh Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking worst. People always talk about like, oh, how wonderful spring is, and here, here I am fighting for my life right yeah. now. <laughs> Just, <laughs> <laughs> I love the springtime. No, yeah, get me out yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take me back to fall, please. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, man. Well, uh, there was, and I did want to hit this just before we got into the main topic. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So this I thought was fun because of some of the takes that I've seen come out of it. CNN posted a piece, A Nation Rocked by Mass Shootings Goes on an Extended Gun Buying Run. Uh, the tweet that this uh, was tweeted with read, um, oh, I just closed it. Hold on a second. There we go. Uh, a growing number of Americans, particularly women and people of color, have gone on extended firearm shopping splurge, uh, many for the first time. 
Which just warms my heart. My heart. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Uh, and then there's you know people on. It's got interviews and stuff with people and and you know people who are out at the range and. Uh, somebody said dirty hairy style revolvers and pink camo shotguns. Really, dirty hairy style? Are are they shooting forty four mag out of right? It? Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm all for new gun buyers, but man, CNN fucking sucks. <laughs> is this article? Do they frame it in a way like what? Why would they be doing this? Uh, or is it just like? Are they just like reporting on it? It's uh, actually like, a bit more just informational than that. It's okay. it's it's got I, interviews and stuff, and there's some people who have takes, but it's it's a little bit. It's not as charged. Okay, as you would I'm think. Always, uh, I'm always like just dumbfounded by people who like hear that, who hear gun sales are up after mass shooting, and they're like, "Why would people be buying guns after in a time like this?" It's like, yeah, why wouldn't they? Uh, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That that just makes no sense to me, but but yeah, that that's more like editorializing on part of like the the commenters, I guess, a lot of times than it's than it is in this piece specifically. Uh, from the from the very bottom of the piece, um, uh, there was one woman that they spoke to, Shelby. Uh, I have a Ruger and a Rossi, both rifles. Shelby said she bought her rifles uh, during the pandemic at the recommendation of a family member. Many such cases. Um, I know for a fact, uh, Lady Jane did not have a firearm in, in her house, uh, in her apartment, uh, when the COVID stuff started. And so, uh, my dad, uh, I'll put it this way. I, I, I acquired from my dad legally mm-hmm. because it was yes. a, a, a youth shotgun for her to keep in her apartment that was yeah because she she's short (laughs) and the full size one's a pain but it's a youth size shotgun that that she kept in her apartment during covid and and it's it was it was many many such cases of people going out and buying firearms as soon as the lockdown started because that was there was a, a a massive uptick in violent crime over in uh midtown where lady jane used to live and no longer does um but there was a massive uptick in violent crime around there. People getting robbed at not just like robbed at gunpoint, like with a pistol, like you think about. There were there was there were people like robbing people at the point of a full size rifle. <laughs> yeah, uh, pandemics make people crazy. Yes, uh, <laughs> it seems. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Shelby said she's filing the paperwork for her handgun permit. She said the entire process should take from a year and a half to two years before she's able to purchase a handgun. Jesus, what kind of hell do you live in? Wow. Um, yeah, well, I was going to ask, like, where where does she live? <laughs> right. It sounds like D.C. It sounds like, ugh, it's yeah. awful. New York, maybe? Uh, maybe New Jersey? Uh, there's a couple of states where that could be a problem. Um, all my you friends now have... your rights within one to two years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All my friends now have licenses, said Shelby. Uh, bursts of muffled gunfire in the background. They, they did this interview at a range, apparently. Um, uh, I'd like to hone my skills. I enjoy shooting. I'm a good shot. Her friend Jen said she lives alone, so she wants a gun, probably for safely mostly, but I do enjoy coming to the range and shooting. Been wanting to buy one for years. Um, uh, apparently she was a fan of the Smith 9mm, which Smith 9mm, eh, the article does not say. Um, <laughs> which, okay, whatever. There's 
Many, many, many varieties, but all right. Um, anyway, the, the response to this is interesting to me. I do have one problem. Their head, their cover photo is a woman. I'm, I do not know anything about her other than she's shooting a handgun with an RMR and aiming with uh-huh. one eye closed. Yes, I saw this picture. I saw this picture going across my feet. <laughs> <laughs> and it bothers the fuck out of me, dude. Open your goddamn eyes. You're using an RMR. You do not need to, You should have both eyes open anyway, but you do not mm-hmm. need to close one eye with an RMR. It's li- Treat it like a laser. Look at your target and put the dot there. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> it really, really, really bothered me when I saw that. <laughs> But um, aside from that, though, there's been like the the whole comment section on this is really interesting. I know there was a um, do you remember? And this actually kind of came back. Did you see the Glong video that uh, Print Shoot Repeat made? The Glong video. Uh, no, I don't think I saw his video on this. Okay, he and he posted a piece of it to uh, to Twitter. But um, there's Print Shoot Repeat did a video on the Glong, which, mm-hmm. if you are unfamiliar, uh, is a 3D printed Glock that also contains a bong. Oh, yeah, okay, yes, I wasn't familiar with the terminology, but I know exactly what you're, I, I did see this video, yes. <laughs> and this was, I want to play a little bit of the song, because it's actually kind a lot of a of banger. Really mad. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, 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 yes. And not just FUDs either, but like, yeah, I'm, I do want to play a little bit of the, because, yeah, yeah, man, it. it is funny. Um, here we go. It's a Glock that's also a bong. No way. Yeah, the Glock. Yeah, the Glock. It's my Glock and it's also my bong. <laughs> anyway, yes, the the song is a bang. Repeat is one of my favorite like content gun content creators oh, he's on, great. on YouTube. He's he's fantastic. His, were... his HK slap oh, um, yes. was it uh, video? Oh uh, yes, dude, the HK slap. <laughs> HK slap, yes, yes. Oh <laughs> man, fantastic. Oh, it's so good. But there was a number of people, and that comes to mind because of some of the responses that I've seen to this stuff, too. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of goes back to the episode that we did after the, uh, the Nashville shooting recently, mm-hmm. which is the number of right-wingers super fucking upset <laughs> about all this yeah. um, drives me crazy and makes me laugh at the same time. Is there a word for that? For that emotion? Uh- Hmm. Probably, but I can't think of it right now. <laughs> Somebody being so dumb, like something being so stupid that it's it's both dis- it's both disappointing and hilarious at yeah. the same time. But there was a uh, there were a number number of right wingers who were talking about how um, how degenerate the Glong was. And <laughs> good, I'm, I'm right? happy that they're upset. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me want to print one just to make them mad. I don't even smoke. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and and there were and, and there were people, some people, right wingers responding to this piece uh, from CNN, and in, in a in a similar way, kind of how they responded after the Nashville shooting, which is like some of these people shouldn't even have guns. Um, oh my god! Of course, of course, they're saying that. Yes, but there were much more. I should I shouldn't focus too much on it because there were many, many, many more people who were just saying, right. "Good, this is what we want." Right, of course. Yeah, which which made me happy to see, but I just thought it was an interesting. It, it's it, it's kind of rare, I think, that you would see a CNN comment section full of so many gun supporters. Right. As yeah. on that on that particular okay. I, uh, post. I'm not saying uh, this is most right wingers because I don't believe it is. Right, I think it is a very like small minority of right wingers. There's a certain small minority of right wingers who, when they see a minority with a gun or a woman, uh, they get very uneasy. Uh, oh yes, yes, again, not most, but there's a certain subsection of them that are like, oh well, you know, they may it may not be an explicit uh, thing that they say, but you can get the you can tell you get the impression that uh, uh, they they pick very specific people to be like, oh well, you know, they should have a background check or what, you know, whatever. You right. Uh, you know, there's a, there's the, there, the, the, in, in general, I don't know why I started stuttering, in general, the left wing meme of, well, if a bunch of black people just started buying guns, suddenly Republicans would be all for gun control. And they say the same thing about trans people and stuff like that. In general, that's not true. In general, right. people on the right are very happy to have more gun owners. Yeah. When you start going down in like a micro level to specific people, there are some very specific people who are that meme. <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> and they are uh, uh, hilarious. And I saw one guy. I think, I think this is actually a left winger, but he he sounded just like a right wing fud. Uh, he came right. So horseshoe theory wins again. But um, it was um, uh, some left winger. Uh, who was talking about like how if you have any type of like camo on your gun whatsoever, if it's painted anything but black, then it's just a toy. Uh, it's not, you know, uh. you know what I mean. <laughs> just, was, I think someone, uh, one of the three three D printed guys, made his gun like purple or pink or something, and this guy was like, oh, "Guns are black; they're not pink." Oh uh, yes, just... yeah, no, I saw that. Um, there was some, there was it, it, it ended. Up, he got dragged for days. Um, (laughs) but there were, there were uh, a couple of people who were, but I, I think I know the one you're talking about who saw, um, I think it was some of 3d print generals prints. Um, Mm -hmm. and he said something on the lines of like, why do you have to, why do you want to make these guns look like toys and all this other stuff? Guns are black. Like, I'm, 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 I mean, my favorite color of AR is, is tan. I like a desert tan AR. Guns are whatever color you want them to be. That's <laughs> right. Kind of, yeah, that's why we can, we can 3D print them. We can make them whatever color we like. Yeah. Guns are what, you whatever want we want. Anime girls on your uh, on your AK, you go for it. <laughs> if you I, I can't remember if it was AG cast or if it was JNY boy. I can't remember which one, but one of them put uh, Pipkin Pippa on a 3D printed clock <laughs> frame. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite things on the planet. Um, but yeah, yeah. Really- uh, that that was just one of the things that I wanted to talk about. I'm, I am I personally am happy to see the rate of gun ownership skyrocket. Why do I always buy the anime skin wraps in, in the Call of Duty store? <laughs> yes, exactly. <Explain> that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how do you explain Kyber Pass Gold AKs if guns are only black? (laughs) 
Yeah, it's I, I was happy, though, to see the uh, the increase in gun ownership. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Um, more freedom for more people and more people armed. Makes society a better place. Um, well, it makes society a place I want to be more. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. better is subjective. I want to be there. <laughs> but, um, okay, so speaking of more freedom for more people, mm-hmm. there was something in particular that you wanted to talk about today. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't really have, like, too much of a, uh, too many topics to go off of this week, and this has been something I've wanted to talk about for quite a bit on the show. I've talked about it, like, you know, on, on Twitter and other social media or other, like, media sites before. But, um immigration right yes um, probably one of the most hotly debated arguments in libertarian circles right it's probably immigration and abortion those are the two big ones the two yeah. big ones that have people at each other's throats most yes of that people people um, tend to break down on on hard lines on those two issues most people yes most people in libertarian circles will agree on drugs at least for less hardcore drugs um most people will agree on guns. Most people will agree on education policy. Most people will agree on all that stuff. But you're right. Abortion and immigration are the two where people will just go at each other. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think maybe like 10 years ago or something, uh, the common libertarian answer would have been open borders, right? That would sure. be, I think, maybe I'm generalizing too much, but I think that would be most people's um go to answer if if they were to self-identify as libertarian most people would say yeah open borders or maybe I, you know maybe the circles i was in 10 years ago were just like different uh, and you know i i'm they're more embellished and i you know well, I, I understand I don't the, that but, to be kind of the rothbardian sort of standard the sort of yeah. anatomy of the state era rothbard sort mm-hmm. of standard that I, I i i certainly would say libertarianism at least when i was first sort of uh shown like 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 deep lore libertarianism was all about open borders yeah right and i think in the past like i don't know five years or so maybe let's say more people have started shifting to the uh, hans herman hoppe uh view of immigration uh which advocates more of a closed borders so uh, it's closed borders with like you know th- th- there's more nuance there and i'm kind of going sure that, but uh, that, that's more of the uh i've seen a lot more growth that and i i've seen and I've kind of so I so I'll skip to the end here and I'll uh, I'll tell people for people who don't know what my position is. I do think the libertarian uh, like philosophy advocates open borders um, necessarily, um, yes. necessarily. And I, I think and we're talking and about I, we're talking about national borders like political yes, borders. Yes, I, thank you so much for making this clarification. <laughs> uh, the amount of people I see online who try to equate open borders with trying to say, oh, so do you just leave your you know your house unlocked you leave your front door open uh you know it's like yeah no, my, my front not door's not a political your... border it's it wasn't invented yeah. by a bunch of assholes it's mine i can do with it yes. what i will <laughs> right yeah so it's very clear uh, when i say I, i'm for open borders what i mean is that i don't believe the state's borders are legitimate i i'm yes. not talking about anyone's private borders you can keep your private borders closed or open as you wish uh that's completely up to you um, but, it, but it, so yeah, we're, we're talking about political borders and one of the frustrations I, I personally in this, uh, on the topic have been both actually from the open borders and the closed borders people, because on one hand, I disagree with the closed borders people. I think that as libertarians, the closed border libertarians, because I think they're wrong. 
Um, and I, I think there's a good argument as to why they're wrong. Now, on the open border side, I, while I agree their ultimate conclusion i feel like they don't actually address any of the arguments against open borders well um like a lot of them don't actually address like hoppa's argument uh not all of them but a lot just kind of ignore and i think that's not persuasive for a lot of people who do support closed borders um ignore it as if as if the whole thing's just a given which right which i mean and and to be fair I mean, like, I mean, like I said earlier, when I was first, first, uh, why do I, why did I develop a speech impediment just now? Um, when I was first (laughs) (laughs) kind of exposed to like that, like that deep lore kind of libertarianism, I took Mm -hmm. open borders as a given. Like I didn't even, I didn't even think about it. I was like, oh yeah, you can't tell people they can't walk somewhere. So like that very intuitive. So I don't like, I don't like blame people for not, you know, for just assuming it's a given. I I agree with them actually that I I think it's very than a given but i do think that once these arguments are presented um not addressing them kind of like just looks bad uh like you know in in just uh, an optic sense you have to grapple um, with it at the very least to figure out if you're wrong like right. <laughs> i mean it's kind of the whole yeah. point yeah um and uh, i'm not going to shill for my substack but I, I wrote a whole substack to be like you know um uh, pulling some arguments in there from that uh, because I did like I, the the goal of that Substack article uh, was specifically to take Hoppe's arguments, quote Hoppe, and kind of like show why I think some of these conclusions he draws are incorrect. Let me ask um, you about Hoppe's arguments on that because I, I yeah. see a lot of Hoppians who kind of make those are who make closed border mm-hmm. arguments. Um, yeah. Do you read Hoppe as being explicitly? a closed border statist like like if you're if you're talking about political borders does he say they're one legitimate and two should be closed so no so hoppa comes to the conclusion of closed borders but it's not from like a statist position i'll say that so what hoppa does is hoppa essentially use that um because due to uh, the collective taxation of the country um, his argument is that uh, public property is not real, and I would agree with that in the sense that like political public property is you know a farce. Um, Hoppe would argue that due to the public nature of this property and due to the collectivization of taxation in the country, that the the collect the owners of the public property in this country that the state claims to own or control. Uh, is actually owned by the citizenry. And therefore, when a, a person walks across the border, the, in reality, they're not walking unowned territory. They're walking um, territory that has been stolen by the state that is rightfully the property. Okay, of the so, so the, the, the idea taxpayer. being that this is a commons that, that belongs to the taxpayer, not the state. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yes. So um, that, that's how they get to that argument. Um, but how do you reach closed borders from there? Because I'm a taxpayer and I don't agree with it. So, right, exactly. So here's the thing, right? Um, their argument then, when you would say that next, is that well, you may want to have your border open. Uh, I've seen for a lot of Hoppians in fact, make the case that due to this, um, uh, you know, it's the greatest number, right? Yeah, well, most people wouldn't want, uh, you know, they're more tax. They don't want more be taxed more but having more people in this country is going to increase the burden it's also they're going to be treading on property that is not theirs and this is that's another cost as well and therefore due to that um your opinion on wanting these people over here does not would not override 
um, uh, the people who don't want their property to be, you know, uh, trade upon. Um, that's a lot of the argument that they would make. Now, Hoppe, Hoppe argues that there's, so he makes the distinction between like trade, right? So between trade, when you send, because off the, the open borders critique is like, you know, libertarianism has always supported the free movement of goods and people um, across political territory. Sure. Um, Hoppe makes a distinction that, well, um, the difference between a, uh, you know, a good or service or like a good being Mexico is that um, you have two people on both ends already consenting to the transfer, right? You have one person, you have the good, uh, you have the consensual transfer uh, from Mexico to the uh, recipient in America, right? So you have two consenting parties. Sure. Whereas Hoppe says with immigration, that's not necessarily the case. The immigrant can travel to America without first ever being invited in by another person. Um, now, I, I, there's a, I think there's a lot of good critiques, and I think a lot made this critique, and Walter Block uh, has made this critique good. Um, one of the problems with that argument is that... Um, what Hoppe is saying is that, well, the good, there's two consenting parties, right? Um, like the person who purchases the good and the person who's selling the good both agree to transfer the good. But uh, what if, like, if, if what Hoppe is saying is correct and everyone owns, like, the public territory, including the road, how do you know those taxpayers agreed to have that good transferred on? Yeah, it seems, it seems that it, it, uh, 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 one consenting party on one side can will uh, a, a good or a person across the border. But if a majority of people disagreed by the logic that people who make the argument make, I'm not saying Hoppe made this argument, but by the, by the logic that people who make the argument would use, then that consent could be overridden by a majority of the owners of that border. Right? Right. Yes. How how in, in fact, and I don't I don't I don't see Hoppe saying that like his logic's got to be better than that. Well, Hoppe is saying that um, Hoppe in Hoppe's formation of this, um, he is essentially saying that due to because it's collectivized because you have this collective uh, property in some sense. The the way if you wanted an immigrant over, you could invite them over. You could have them come into this property, but you okay. would have to bear the cost of them, is what he's saying. Okay. Um, so his argument is essentially that you can essentially almost have them act as a trustee, almost this person, um, or a guardian in, in some sense. It's a, it's a sponsorship system. The, the canine yeah. visa system works kind of similarly, where if, you, if you're bringing over your spouse... Um, I think you are, you are financially responsible for them. I think it's for, ten, for them. I think it's for 10 years. Um, that, that person doesn't have access to benefits. Like they, that person doesn't have access right. to, uh, the, the social safety net, if you will. Um, right. and, for, and, like, and that's the first is controversial as far as like libertarianism goes. Like no one, is, like when we're saying when, if an open libertarian is telling you they support borders, uh, if they're a good libertarian, none of them are going to say, yeah, I, I think they should, uh, you know, get welfare benefits too. Right. Or sure. like these, you know, tax benefits, like no, no one is arguing that um no liber i don't think well i don't say that no no good libertarian in my nation be arguing that um well no one is certainly at, no one who understands the the core philosophy right right um so hoppa does believe you can uh, invite people through sponsorship uh into the country um but you are uh, um 
financially responsible. Haba even goes a little further than I agree with where like if they commit a financially responsible for the two, I think that's I I don't see any libertarian basis for that. No. Um, really. Uh uh <laughs> like like if, if you raise a child in that child time the parents are not responsible for it necessarily. Just right. Because, you know what I mean? If like if your teenager or something goes out and uh, wrecks someone, unless you know there was some negligence. Sure. And they, well, they are while that person is a child, which seems to be what the thought process there is. Is like, yes. well, that person is like a child. The right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little weird, um, but okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so that's the the main like general thesis of Papa's argument is that well uh, you know because uh, um, the public property is essentially the collectivized ownership of the populace itself um, for now while the state controls it and because of that uh, the state has some type of um, moral obligation to act as a steward of this uh, collectivized property ownership um, so uh, this is where you know you get into like the well therefore the state does have a right to keep out trespassers in the same way that uh, you know person uh you know the state uh would have the right to like to keep uh, a cop let's say would have the right to keep someone off your you didn't want them there right? sure so that that's kind of like how hoppa gets there um now one of the arguments i i think or i i make in the um substack piece is that look um let's if it's the collectivized public property if all the public property is essentially collective um and you know, each person is an owner in in some sense. This, in some sense, doesn't really solve the issue of like conflicts on this on this uh, public property, except by unanimous decision making. Which you know, you, theoretically, you posit as a way to disputes. Um, but practically speaking, that's a very uh, you're not going to get a whole like, well, the, it's, the, the entire <laughs> populace to uh, it's, uh, agree. It's on not going to happen with three hundred million people. <laughs> right. No, it seems that. If if you're if the property is collectivized, right? If, if let's say all the public the things that we call public property are truly owned by the populace, it seems that they could implement uh, like policy restrictions or, or rules as if it was their private property, right? So like um, um, you could have a rule that said, yeah, no guns in public on sure. public property spaces, right? And then well, there goes the Second Amendment, uh, <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, you you could. So you could seem to create a bunch of like almost absurd positions from this conclusion that Hoppe draws. Um, you could have some type of, um, um, you know, thing where yeah, if everyone essentially, what if, or let's say right, let's say a majority of people uh, in this public space decide, um, you know, we we want to ban religion. Or we want you're not allowed to wear any any type of like religious symbol on you while you're on you know this property. Now I think because it's collectivized, I don't think that they would have in libertarian theory. I don't think they'd have a right to exclude the people there. Um, uh, but certainly, as far as like you couldn't exclude people from the property. But if the majority of people within the collectivized territory uh, ha- like got into a dispute, there's no real easy way to resolve that dispute. You know what right, I mean? Like right. That, like why private property works well is that it resolves disputes. Um, um, so as far as Hoppe is concerned, I think those are some of the big critiques. I think an, another one truthfully is that I don't think his argument about taxation, granting people the right uh, of this public property is correct. Um, I, I think no. this is, I think the goal 
the issue with the whole argument. Um, I think that's a, I think that's that to me reflects sort of the, that to me is an argument that follows from, let's assume that the, uh, let's assume that what we understand to be the case with regard to democratic, uh, uh, government is true. Like that to me Mm -hmm. is, is the same kind of argument like that, that I made on January 6th, which is like, if the whole idea of democracy is true, if the whole idea of the taxpayer is true, then people are allowed to break down a door they own and go into a building they own. Mm -hmm. Like that's if all of that is true, but we know that's not true. Right. Like, like we know that none of that is the case. Right. And so the argument is, so the idea behind, I want to give more uh, credence to this, because the idea, excuse me, the idea behind the argument is that, well, if a person commits a crime against you, right, you have the right to uh, recoup your losses to restitution. That's the libertarian answer to these types of uh, things, right? Sure. So Hoppe is drawing from that in saying that the state has committed an aggression, is constantly committing aggression against us, and due to this, um, you know, the, the, the true owners are in some sense the expropriated masses um, um, that the state is barring uh, people from actually claiming ownership of uh, the, the public lands. Sure. Um, so it's kind of like that. Um, under that system, though, um, <laughs> and this is where it starts to break down, um, it will not break down, but it, it starts to reveal certain implications that I think a lot of closed-border libertarians, some hoppians, uh, do not like, right? So if that is the case... Uh, it seems very clear to me that um, people in other countries who the United States has harmed would have a claim on that property too. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, right? if we're, if we're following from uh, that line of logic, yeah. Yeah. And so if that's the case, then it seems that, you know, uh, think about every United States policy proposal that has harmed another person or, or like a country or group of people in other parts of the world. The Middle East is an obvious example. So um, w- so it seems that even if you are a closed borders person, uh, like a Hoppian, uh, if you followed this line of reasoning, you would have to concede, I would think, that those people have a right to be here as well. Uh, or they have a right to be on the property as well, um, the, because they have been harmed and they deserve restitution as well. Sure. Um, and, but you know that that's just I that I think that's a problem. I don't think it's the biggest problem with the argument. Um, uh, I, I think one of the, the you, so he, here's my conception, right? So a lot of libertarians like have a lot of different answers for what is public property, right? Is it you know is it legitimate? Is any public property legitimate? Is there a legitimate owner to it? Is it just free rent? Can people just like homestead a park? Um, these are like you know questions people go back and forth on all the time. Yeah, I, I think I've, I've seen you talk but, about this a little bit as well. Um, where the there are there are multiple theories. I think one of the ones that I've seen you argue is that like, well, the person who actually lost um, manpower and materials to the building of the thing is the proper owner of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, so it can be a couple different answers. Um, so one is uh, so there's OK. I divide public property into two types, you know, public in quotation marks property um, in which um, it's it's actually it really is genuinely private property that has just been stolen. Right. Like eminent domain is an example of this. Yes. Um, uh, so you things that are listed as public <clears throat> property, but are in, in actuality private. 
so in that you cannot justly homestead that property because it already is has been homesteaded it's just not being treated as if it is does yes. that make sense it, it's been stolen um, from a prior owner correct so that private owner has the right and they you know they can't enforce it because obviously you know the state's not allowing them to but in you know in a de jure sense um uh they have the right to uh, create restrictions yeah. for that property as a matter of norms yeah. So uh, so a group of people coming in to homestead that property, that would not be justified because in reality, it is already homesteaded. So that may seem like I'm agreeing with Hoppe here, but I think one of the biggest problems with Hoppe and the general like Hoppean framework is that they assume that all things that are listed as public property are that. It's just property that has already had a previous owner or like a legitimate title and has just been stolen in some sense or property that the state actually like somewhat owned and then was given as restitution for taxpayers. Now, here's the here's where I think this starts to break down. The other type of public property is public in quotations property right uh things that the state has never actually homesteaded by libertarian standards because well they they kind of can't um and also um uh it land let's say land that has never been or never been or does not did not previously had a legitimate title to it right so let's take an example of if, if you're just in a um let, let's say you have some like mafioso right and there's a stretch of land that has never been homestead, let's say, right? And he stops people from, with violence, threats of violence, from homesteading this territory. You could say in one sense he's lording over this territory, but, and let's say he commits aggression against certain people within this town, right? But And he doesn't allow them to homestead this area. Um, the Hoppians would seem to say that, um, well, they now own that stretch of land, right? Uh, that he's, he was excluding people from. But to be really, like, autistic here for a second in libertarian standards, um, that land was not owned. So it can't be tr- justly transferred to other people prior to homesteading because the only reason restitution is legitimate is because you're taking something from a legitimate owner and then giving it to um, the people who are harmed, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, that absolutely tracks. I'm sorry, I was muted. So, My mic stand started falling apart, and I'm trying to fix it. Oh, <laughs> but I'm still oh no, no, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Uh, but basically, the reason that you can't treat all public property as the property of, let's say, um, you know, the, the collective taxpayers is because not all public property is actually previ- is actually owned at all. It's just being um, essentially captured and controlled by the state. It's not so... Um, to go in a, a little more detail as to why libertarianism, I think, would not allow this is because from a libertarian perspective, you only have the right to exclude people once you have homesteaded something. Right. Uh, you do not have the right to exclude people prior to homesteading. So the state, like, if the state carves off a piece of land somewhere, right, out west or something, and it's, let's assume it's not, it has, it's not been homesteaded, and then they just start excluding people with violence from this territory. Um, you can't, like, logically claim that the, the restitution, that land, uh, like, justly goes to those people because that land is not owned. It was not owned by the states, therefore the state has no right to transfer it to someone else because it is legitimately not owned. It's, well, just, you, been, it's just been quartered off by the state. What you're making me think of to some extent is like a national park, for example, where it's like right. you, have a, you have a vast swath of land that the state decided to enclose and call a national park. Um, yes. Even if nobody was using it before. Yes. 
Now, I do want to, I do think we should specify one thing because we keep, this keeps coming up and I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I just don't want to make any assumptions. Homesteading as, as a standard for the birth of title to land. Okay. Yes. This, this is a concept that sort of grows out of the Lockean proviso. It's the idea that if you incorporate a piece of land into um, the way I've seen you formulate it, and, and, and I like this formulation, the idea that you're incorporating this piece of land into ongoing projects, whether that be yes. your home, your farm, uh, grazing uh, land for your, uh, for your livestock, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. if it's being incorporated into your ongoing projects, it is yours. You, you can set yes. up there, and as long as nobody else has done this, you can set up there, and that's yours now. Yes, yes. Uh, correct. Uh, yeah. Thank you for. Yeah, I, I should have uh, like talked about what homesteading was for people who may not like be super familiar with it. So thank you for. And it's like, also uh, I do actually I did want to ask you this because now now I got yeah. me thinking. This this title does not necessarily in my conception, and I do not know if you would agree with this. I don't want to speak for you. Um, in my conception of this, this does not necessarily exist in perpetuity because I think I agree. I think abandonment exists. <laughs> I agree with that. Yes. Yes. Um, there's a, I think if you can incorporate something, you can unincorporate it. Yeah. Uh, that through intent or not. Yes, Absolutely. Either by giving it up or by no longer using it, you can abandon yeah. a thing. And yes. if you go to fuzzy area is to, you know, when exactly does something become abandoned? Right. There's a lot of fuzzy area about that. It's in the same way that, you know, we it, it, you can uh, you can see when something is not abandoned and you can see when something obviously is abandoned but w- at what point you know when does it transfer from you know un- not abandoned to abandoned this That's is an interesting me. sort of thing that the common law has dealt with and i and i i always go into legal autism on the show but the common law dealt with this with the theory of um it's it's a it's a theory in property law that's called uh Oh shit! Uh, hostile. Hold on a second. I've forgotten the second word. I'm sorry. I was saying one of the one of the elements. It's adverse possession in 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 oh adverse yes in property law. So this is an idea mm-hmm. that if you have what is actual possession of a piece of property that is open and and not mm-hmm. hidden, it is notorious, meaning people know about it, and it is hostile to someone else's property right in that piece of property. And your possession is ongoing for a number of years. Um, I believe at common law it was something like 20. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, It might be, I think by statute in Texas, I think it's 10. Um, Then title transfers to you. Because obviously that piece of property is abandoned. If the owner had any interest in keeping you off of it or whatever, they would have told you to leave by now. It's been a decade. You're fine. (laughs) If I'm eating an apple. Right. And I'm carrying I'm carrying it around with me. I take a bite and then I just I leave half the apple uneaten and I just throw it behind my shoulder. Uh, right. And I keep walking away. And then like, uh, I don't know, a day later, someone else comes along. And for whatever reason, they want to half eat an apple. They're like, mm, yum. Uh, and, and they grab it. I can't just go like hit the person in the head with a club. Uh, you right. know, uh, there's an analogy there. Exactly. Uh, now, obviously, it's it, it's different, like for different things. Like, you know, uh, obviously, you know, an apple is not a house or something. So it's not, you know, I'm, I'm not being literal by time frames here, but I'm just I'm giving an example. Sure. Um, but but it, the, um, the point being, though, that abandonment does abdicate sort of your your property yes. interest in that property this is not a title right. that goes on and on forever i see people argue that 
I've seen people argue that that's like a blind spot in what yeah. in the in like homesteading theory, and it's not to me. Yeah, like I don't abandonment's think it is. a pretty obvious yeah, no. thing that falls out of it. Like, yeah, yeah. Because like again, if you if homesteading is incorporating something into your ongoing projects, then that implies you could unincorporate it or can be unincorporated. Sure, it's alienable. Um, it's not. I mean, yeah, right. You can sell it. Yeah, you can exactly. get rid of it. You can do whatever you want. Precisely. Yes. Um. So yeah, that that's so aban- like you know it's like we can obviously see you know an abandoned house right. It's fairly easy to point out a house that's abandoned in most cases. Uh, it's very easy to point out a house that is lived in and being incorporated. Um, some people will critique abandonment by saying that well, uh, you don't exactly know when it becomes abandoned. What is the you know you know true exact objective point something goes from abandoned to uh, or not abandoned to abandoned? And I I just bring the analogy of like okay. We know what orange is. We know what red is. Do we know exactly the very moment when orange transitions into red? Do we? Can you say the exact objective point at which that becomes true? For most people, a lot of people may give different answers, but that doesn't mean that red and orange don't have, you know, their own, aren't, you know, discernible. University of Texas burnt orange. That's the transition point. I'm calling it right now. I'm setting a line on the sand. But in that in that way, though, I'm okay with that kind of being up to courts. I'm kind of okay with the common law solution to that, where it's just like it's been ten years. The courts say it's fine. It's fine. Like I'm I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, me too. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that. Um, uh, Circling back a second for the um, as far as like keeping people out of your like homestead, right? So if like. I want to reiterate this because I think this is very important. I think this is why the argu- uh, the Hoppians argument is ultimately wrong, partially. Um, you have the right to exclude people from from land or resources that you have justly incorporated, not aggressively incorporated into your ongoing projects, right? Right. Um, and because of that, what you that if if that is how you gain the right to exclusion. That implies you do not have the right to exclude prior to the incorporation, right? So, like, if I haven't incorporated a piece of land or something, I cannot then exclude a bunch of people from it and then claim that as me incorporating the land. That that doesn't fly logically. Um, uh, so you have to. So the state, like, keeping people out of a specific area, like a public park or something, or like a yeah, national park, I should say, um, them doing that is not actually like the, the state generating title, which then gets transferred as restitution to the taxpayer. That doesn't logically fly. Right. Um, so I think what, what a lot of people miss is that some public, some things that are called public property are just unincorporated land. And by libertarian standards, anyone has the right to freely traverse that and, and, and then incorporate it should they wish. Um, by yes, by there's no, there is no territorial boundary there that from any legitimate uh, party. Yeah, right, right. So my argument is that now, obviously, there are pieces of private property on the border, along the border, and I, you know, I, I'm not ignoring that. But a lot of the border, it does seem to be very much unincorporated. Much of now, it is, that, yeah. You could say that's because of well, the state. That's because of the state, and yes, I agree. But that doesn't mean it's not incorporated. Uh, or it, that doesn't mean it's it's not unincorporated. I should say. Um, so so, go ahead. I was going to say we have examples of this along the border. There have been people. Um, there are people on the border who own ranches or ranch land along the border. Uh-huh. 
who very much do not want illegals crossing on their property. Yeah, and, and they so, have the complete right to uh, restrict them. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are some landowners, ranch owners, who put out water for people who are crossing exactly. <laughs> because they know right. what's happening on their property and they don't want them to die. <laughs> yeah. And so they put so, out water and food for them. In fact, some people have been arrested for doing just that uh, under yeah. conspiracy and aiding and abetting, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for for some people, like if you want to say that, well, uh, you know, and Hoppe does, you know, Hoppe is uh, I hate when people I I disagree with Hoppe a lot. I hate when people straw man Hoppe uh, because it just doesn't make your own argument look good when you do that. Uh, So Hoppe turn Hoppe into a crypto fascist like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 Hoppe will, you know, he is for closed restricted borders or maybe restricted borders is a better better terminology here. Um, He's for restricted borders. uh, but but some Hoppians, some people who may not, you know, have they may have like heard about Hoppe and they think they heard his argument and they think they understand what his argument is. Sometimes talk about immigration as if it's aggression in itself. Right. Whereas like, sure. well, if this person crosses this border into this land, they have, you know, it, it's, it's as if, you know, someone had just like walked onto your property without you wanting them to or something like that. Um, but but like um Walter Block uses a good example where it's like, let's imagine that someone, for whatever reason, just catapulted, you know, into the United States and they landed in an unincorporated part of land and then they just set up shop. They just homesteaded it. Or let's say a Martian landed somewhere that's been unincorporated in inside of America. By libertarian standards, both of those examples, they would have the right to be there. And anyone who tried to deport them would be an aggressor. Right. Uh, without without question. Uh, full stop. Um so, so uh, cr- merely crossing the state's line cannot be aggression by libertarian standards, and I think it's silly to say that it is. And I, I'm, I'm not saying like you know Hoppe is saying Hoppe is saying more than that, right? So I'm not I don't want to caricature his argument, but a lot of people who might claim to be Hoppians or closed border libertarians, in my in my anecdotal experience, very much do seem to argue that, yeah, crossing the border itself is an aggression. Trying to uh, torture the notion of aggression to fit that. Yeah, exactly. So they try to say that, well, the United States is just like one big property. It's one big home. And them coming across the border is just like trespassing on your yard or something like that, which, you know, by libertarian standards is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, It, 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 It makes no sense. Yeah. Otherwise, you're Uh, saying it's legitimate. Otherwise, you are saying, I mean, this is the thing that bothers me about that line of argument is that mm -hmm. it relies on that notion. um, Honestly, kind of like I was saying, it it relies on the notion that this idea that that which the government, quote unquote, owns is actually the taxpayers thing and the taxpayer gets to decide and all this other stuff. It it, it relies on that notion being true. But we know that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. Some people argue like I, I remember that like this got really bad when people were arguing about like who owns public parks or like so this is um, another reason why I I made the distinction between different types of public property right because like a, a lot of times when you argue for open borders and you say that they have a right to cross the border people say people will say that oh so you don't believe that you just believe that people have a right to walk on any public space they they want and do whatever they want but I don't necessarily believe that's always the case for example. Um, you, you can have a situation where, like, like let's say, take a library, right? Or a school, let's say. Um, the school is not unincorporated in the same way that a tract of land might be unincorporated, right? Um, right. So, like, 
like um, as far as who owns it, I would argue that the users of the facility, whatever facility it is, would, are like the actual like homesteaders or incorporators. So like you could say that I would turn so like in a libertarian sense, I would argue that the uh, like public libraries are co-ops owned by owned by the you know the the uh, people who. Um, uh, essentially, you know, who utilize, labor who, who utilize it or yeah. who, or who, you know, yes. pay a due and, and go to the library like that. Correct. And, and that's how a lot of stuff like that functionally works. And that, that yeah. to, to use the term co-op is very good. That's how co-ops function. That's yeah. yeah. So I'd argue like schools, libraries are essentially like privately in liberate by libertarian standards. If we could just like, you know, d- dismantle the government, uh, today, with the snap of our fingers, I think those things legitimately would be turned into co-ops, right? Sure. Um, uh, like, I think they're genuinely, like, co-op-owned, uh, essentially, by um, by those libertarian standards. But I don't, again, um, there's a lot of land in the U.S. that I think has no, like, actual legitimate title holder uh, through Homestead. Um, and I think that land is perfectly acceptable for people to cross or to homestead, no matter who they are or where they sure. come from. A lot of national uh, park land, for example, is just totally yes. nobody was there. Yep. Nobody was there before outside of, I mean, do you count native Americans, but any like, like outside of that, uh, if you sure, want to, and yeah. if you want to quibble well, about is, that, we can, but I'm honestly, it's a nomadic I, peoples. Yeah. I don't know if they actually did homestead in the way that we're talking about, but I, I would, I, I think, I think they did like have homestead, like, I think Native Americans did like own the land they they um uh, they were on, but I disagree that they owned any land that they passed. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. any land. That that's the thing like, about that's the thing that's hard on. to nail down with no, with uh, nomads, mm-hmm. with nomadic people. Right. It's a similar thing. It's kind of hard to nail down with like horse ad, horse archer nomad nomad tribes on the steps. How did I get a speech impediment just now? Horse archer nomad <laughs> tribes on the steps. Um, right. I, for no for nomadic uh more nomadic tribes like some people try to like disbard them from having property rights because they like oh well they didn't even have a conception of it but it's like i i don't, I don't think that flies necessarily that's, that's it's not like, true yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, just they, they know, knew the difference between my place have, and your place yeah a, a two-year-old might not have a conception of property rights it doesn't mean you can just kill them <laughs> you know uh right something like that so just because you don't have a conception of a property right that doesn't mean that you don't legitimately exercise legitimate control over you know your property whatever right. property you may possess yeah so i don't think yeah as far as like you know native american property claims go um it can be very tricky um i agree that they do have property rights and truthfully uh, if, if if it was possible that they could show a claim that you know uh, you know actually this was my property it was stolen from me and I have you know I can trace it back here 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 by Rothbardian standards they would have a claim against any current occupant yeah but again, absolutely the, the burden of proof the burden of proof is on them uh, ultimately oh, it's kind of like the Black we, Hills for example yeah the possessor has the presumption of innocence um, right that that's like how we deal with property like disputes or. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even if you have to yeah, prove up so, your claim, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, but but basically, yeah, a large tracts of land within the United States are just like unincorporated land. Um. And because of that, I don't see any libertarian case whatsoever for restricting people from crossing that unincorporated land that the state is just like stopping people from walking across. Um. Because if you want to claim that, well, um. Here's a good example, right? This is ultimately, and this is actually something I find a lot of people actually have we- like weird reactions to, but I think it's kind of funny. 
Um, let's say there's this unincorporated piece of land, right? And the, in the United States, uh, um, let's say, claims ownership of this land, and they sell it to someone. Someone pays money to access this land, right? That the United States has, remember, this prior to this, this piece of land we're assuming has no legitimate title. It has no legitimate owner, but the United States controls it and will sell it to like the highest bidder, let's say, right? So they sell it to some corporation. Now, let's say before that corporation gets there and lays down shop, a bunch of people uh, like, let's say some uh, nomads come across, come along and homestead that very land. Who has the property right? I'd say the nomads. Uh, Yeah. Well, they would have beaten any legitimate title transfer. Yes, because because there was no title prior, so the state that sold the corporate the land sold in quotation marks sold the land to the corporation could not actually have done so because there was no title to sell. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, they, so, they would have beaten uh, there. There would have been no. Uh, there would have been no legitimate title to transfer because the the, the right. person claiming to sell it. I mean, they owe the corporation their money back. They yeah. didn't have a the legitimate title to they yes. didn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They did, the state just defrauded the corporation. They didn't actually like sell them anything legitimately. Uh so so that's that's uh, you that's kind of an example to show that yeah, this is why the state cannot actually transfer title to something the state does not have title to. It just logically does not cannot work. Um uh, if if you want to say that, well, no, they do have tile, then we have to just rework libertarianism from the ground up, and and you then it's not even libertarianism anymore, right? Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I did want to um, point out something too in this conversation. Yeah, this is not necessarily, and I I wouldn't I wouldn't think that you would be making this argument either. <clears throat> this is not necessarily an argument in favor of allowing people to take advantage of. Um, like welfare systems, for example, like no, 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 because the the our conception is that those things shouldn't fucking exist in the first place. So, so right, the if your problem, if you're for me, if your justification for for being against open borders is that people take advantage of welfare systems, people take advantage of state resources, um, without uh having I've seen this phrase skin in the game, right? Mm-hmm. If that's your argument. It seems to me your problem is with the welfare state, not with immigration. Right. Exactly. And people, this actually like perfectly segues into like the next thing I was going to talk about here, which is that in terms of arguments, a lot of people will try to say that, well, closed borders is just and mind you, this is often uh, purported to be the reasonable uh, immigration restriction. Uh, People talk about how. Um, uh, you know, there's that famous Milton Friedman quote, which is, you know, you can have open borders, you can have a welfare state, but you can't have both at the same time, uh, paraphrasing. Um, but uh, so, and and people often claim that this, you know, this is, and and by the way, uh, Milton Friedman did not oppose immigration. So people trying to say that are straw man. Oh, it was not even against the welfare state. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Like I actually, I agree with it. It's correct. Objectively. Yes, it's right. Let's get rid of the fucking welfare state. (laughs) Yeah. The people who argue that, well, we can't have open immigration while we have a welfare state and we have the welfare state. So we're justified in restricting immigration. Um, people often think this is like, well, this is the middle road. This is a reasonable compromise. This is a, and they think it's justified as well by libertarian standards. And I 
I, I, there's a couple arguments against this that I think are actually very compelling. Um, one is, let's imagine that the state was um, subsidizing, they were, giving, they were giving money, taxpayer money, to people who had children or children themselves that they stored in an escrow. Right. Let, let's imagine some conception of that, where every time a child was born, taxpayer money was funneled into an escrow for them to acquire later on. OK, um, now let's say that you have two groups of people, right? You have uh, you have uh, the people who don't really have many children and they don't, you know, you, you know, quantify or qualify them as group A or something. Um, they don't really have many children, so they pay more into the system than they receive. Right. Um, and you have group B. B. These people have a lot of children, right? So they're receiving more money. Group B is receiving more taxpayer money through, uh, you know, the creation of their children, um, as opposed to group A, right? So group A is losing in this like economic sense. Um, they're they're losing money to group A to group B, and um, a child is in some sense. I mean, there's obviously differences, but the child is analogous to a person immigrating into the country they did not yes. exist before they did they were not here before um and if your argument is that it is unjustified for people to come here uh if the state is going to subsidize them because then that hurts me as a taxpayer then it seems that in the analogy group a would have the right to restrict group b from procreating yeah absolutely stop New immigrants, being that being children, people, uh, you know, uh, who did not exist in America before from then existing and collecting taxpayer money. Uh, it seems that Group A, uh, the, the people who don't have many children, who were losing out economically and were essentially subsidizing Group B's children. Uh, it seems that under this argument that, you know, we can justly restrict people from immigrating to the country because they may, you know, the state may tax me more if this happens. It seems that yeah, this is, a, to me, in my mind, this is perfectly analogous uh, to, uh, you know, the situation where, well, if that's the case, then it seems that procreation restrictions, such as places in China, who have a one-child policy or something like that. Right. Uh, uh, it seems that that would be the argument. I was going to illustrate exactly that, uh, uh, and, and to the point of like the one-child policy thing, there are, I just looked this up, there are 59 million people in the United States on welfare. There are 335 million, just almost 336 million people in the United States as of 2020. That's almost 18%, just under 18% of people are on welfare. If we assume that number were to stay steady, then you have an argument to restrict any person from having a child if that child has a likelihood of ending up on welfare. Yeah, or or let's say even in the analogy, if it's guaranteed that they will, like the state sure. is just going to feed them an escrow and they have no say in them. Yeah, right, something like that. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it, it seems that yeah, given that argument, they they just ha they would have to uh, support something absurd, <laughs> like you know, the day I see yeah, libertarians childbirth down to uh, okay, we have to reduce the number of children being born by eighteen percent because all these welfare right. kids, we got to get rid of them. Right. And well, we, you know, we just can't eliminate the welfare state right now. So until we do, we have to implement the procreation restrictions. Right. Uh, man, the day I see libertarians argue that online, I'm, I'm logging off the Internet. For <laughs> I'm never back. 
Well, I, I think I, it's patently ridiculous. Like it, it's insane yeah, it on its face. Nobody can possibly support it, it. But it's the exact same argument. There's the there is a possibility that this person yep. is going to end up taking state benefits, and so we must restrict their entry into the mm-hmm. country. It, that same argument does apply to kids. Right. Yes. And if it doesn't, why it, the hell not? Right. Uh, and now some people will say, well, that's not really that analogous because the immigrant has a choice and the child doesn't. But choice was never a part of the first argument, the, the main argument against, you know, we're not the, the people who are arguing for immigration restrictions aren't saying that it's wrong because they have the choice to come here and they do. It's just that, no, they're here and they're taking welfare. Uh, you know, and what also I mean? parents uh, have a choice. You can choose not yeah, you can actively like, choose not to procreate. Yes, and, yeah, of course, the parents have a choice. And we're not I'm not even talking about a. I'm just saying that they have a they are restricted from engaging in pr- procreation. Right? right. So, um, yeah, the parents have a choice to do that. So they, you know, yeah. Um, so it seems like to me very analogous that, yeah, this is what you would uh, if, if you were married to the argument that, yeah, uh, we are justified in restricting immigrants because, you know, of the welfare system. That does seem to be where the, immig- the argument leads. Now, another argument uh, that is very uh, similar to this would be like, let's say, um, let's imagine that we had a completely socialized healthcare system and like completely socialized, no private and no private whatsoever. Um, now let's imagine that uh, people who, you know, use drugs and they use them uh, in unsafe ways, let's say, uh, are in the ER a lot. They're in the hospital a lot. And this is being socialized onto the taxpayer. Um, and now let's say that the costs of um, them in their ER v- visits, let's say, or their hospital uh, visits, exceeds what it would be just to keep them in prison, right? That that it's cheaper just to keep them in prison and not using drugs than it, it, the, this group of people who are using drugs and then, you know, they're going to the doctor with all these sicknesses or, you know, these, uh, these bad uh, health effects from the drugs. Um, it seems that you could al- also, by the logic outlined previously, argue that, yeah, it will be justified to keep them in prison until we can eliminate the socialized healthcare system. Right. <laughs> or 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 we can actually just take their drugs away. Or we can just uh, stop this person from being a Big Mac uh, because then his, you know, he'll get sick uh, and then he'll need more, you know, uh, ER visits and, you know, just he, he'll be sick. He'll, you know, he'll incur all that, uh, uh, you know, damage onto the taxpayer from his body. You know, maybe we can force people to exercise. You know, you just become this like it's an infinite regress to nanny state, right? Uh, or you just yeah, keep going. And, and, and you don't uh, have to break the chain of logic at all to get there because the logic leads no, to it necessarily. You can't. Yes. The 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 exact same idea. Um, there was a guy. This also that that same issue came up. There were there was was it Matt Walsh recently or or Pasobi? I can't remember who was talking about um, uh, how effective Prohibition was. Oh, yes. <laughs> and there was a guy who said, uh, yeah, we should return to that. He's like, I, I usually like this this cocktail or other as a dessert, but, you know, I, I, would, I would give it up and just stick with pie. And I responded <laughs> to him and I said, you think people don't get harmed by eating too much pie? <laughs> Any more than right. they get harmed by drinking too much, like like the the the. There's, I mean, my my six hundred pound life exists. There are people who eat way too much goddamn yeah. pie, right? And they're a burden. 
So like your right. your your argument is that you get rid of your fucking pie too. Yeah, uh, uh, fast food. Oh no, that's got to go. That has you know very bad health effects over time. Sure, uh, uh, we seem it seems to show. So yeah, oh, where, where does this stop? Well, you know, uh, people who don't exercise a lot, uh, you know, they they uh, become very sick. Uh, and then that's going to become, you know, a, a detriment on taxpayers. So we get to force people into exercise, right? Uh, or, or tax them or penalize them more if they don't. Uh, yeah. So you, you really just get this, like, uh, uh, this argument that does not seem to have an end otherwise, anywhere else other than an absurdity for pure totalitarianism in every way you could possibly imagine. Um, any, anything that could be bad in excess must necessarily be banned just... Uh, just immediately and, out of hand and for to bring it back to like what the libertarian position is on this because i think that i, I think i've shown like i think we've shown some absurd conclusions to their argument but it that that alone isn't enough i want to show why that argument is ultimately wrong um so if let's say you there's three neighbors a b and c right um if b coerces c let's say let's say um B is robbing um, C at gunpoint, or he's doing something, he's torturing them, hurting them in some way, and then B tells C that, look, I'll stop torturing you if you go kill A for me, right? Uh, now, why B doesn't want to do it himself, who knows, but he, want, he wants C to do it. Um, in Under libertarian standards, does C have the right uh, to kill a not would it not would not it's not would we find c reasonable because he's being tortured to do this or would we sympathize with c in any regard it's does c have the right to aggress against a in this scenario and the answer is obviously no no of course right? not. <laughs> so just because the state is coercing the citizenry uh and uh you know and if the citizens did restrict immigration maybe this would lessen the burden Right. I'm I'm perfectly fine with conceding that uh, perhaps, you know, restricting immigration, perhaps restricting procreation could for, uh, restrict the, the burden on the taxpayers. But that doesn't mean you get to violate someone's rights and like forcefully stop them from entering a place they would otherwise have a walk across. Right. Uh, just because you fear the state is going to harm you more because they're here. Um, that's that's not a good ar argument from libertarian standards to justify um, what you want to justify. Because you can't, uh, it's, <clears throat> and at bottom, I, I do want to close that loop, because you mm -hmm. cannot gain a right that you do not have. Like, you cannot, right. <laughs> as far as, um, I shouldn't say that, because you can contract to have rights against someone. What I'm saying is, you can't gain a right that you would not have otherwise, um, yes. simply because of a third party's interference. Correct. That is correct. Absolutely. If correct. you have privity with another person, that's one thing. But if a third party interferes and says, well, I mean, to use your example, tortures someone and says, I'm going to keep hurting you unless you go do this thing you have no right to do. Mm -hmm. Even if they go do it, they never had the right to yeah. do it in the first place. And the responsibility right. and even if still may be. With it. Yeah. Even if someone might sympathize with their plight, that doesn't, that's not the same as saying they have a right to do it. Because right. to imply that would imply that A would have no right to defend themselves. That's yes. the ultimate absurdity. You know, it's uh, kind of a similar situation. It's kind of a similar situation to the idea of <clears throat> there's, uh, there has, there, and this happens periodically, and I disagree with it. Um, the idea that a, a person who is a victim of abuse, who kills their abuser, 
um, in a situation where the where that person is at rest, right? So, and this happens a lot. A, a person who is who is a a victim of abuse will kill their abuser. The abuser is at rest, sleeping or or something, and the person who killed them gets arrested for murder. Mm-hmm. I think, from a normative perspective, that's probably right. You were in no immediate yeah. danger. You, but I would jury nullify the hell yes, out of that. Yes, absolutely. I, I do not think it's just. But as far as norms are concerned, as far as did you have the right to do what you did in the moment, I think probably not. Right, yes. Um, but, yeah. but to me, that, again, rights and justice are two different things entirely. <laughs> um, it's one of those where, it's one of those where, like, uh, I, there are cases where it's like, it, someone may not have the right to do something, but I'm also not, I, I, I well, for one, I, I think there are rights violations in the punitive system itself, actually. Yes, so I, right. I think that, you know, even if you want to say that, well, they didn't have a right to do that, um, there's a lot of things that the, the you know, the quote-unquote justice system today does that I think would also be a rights violation to that person. So it's like, you know, it's almost like a wash where it's like, I'm not going to support, you know, what the state's going to do to this person. Exactly. Because I think yeah. they did like a moral wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But even then, yeah. so, but even then, it's one of those things where I said, there are things that people can have, cannot have the right to do, but still be mm-hmm. left with very little choice in the matter. Like, Correct. like yes. there's, if someone's threatening you to do something you have no right to do, and you do it. You did not have a free choice in that situation. You still didn't have the mm-hmm. right to do it, but you had Correct. to. Correct, yes. And that, that's right. a, there's a difference there that it, just because you did something you didn't have the right to doesn't mean you can't justify that decision. You just have to justify it by some other means than I had the right. Right, correct. Yes, correct. So, like, there are many cases where, like, let's say a person who's starving or something, and they go steal to, you know, to save their family or something. I don't think they have the right to do it, but I'm not, I completely sympathize, and I'd do the same thing, you know? Right. You, like, do, you do not have, you yeah. don't have the right to steal to feed yourself. You, right. You, but you have very little choice in the matter. <laughs> so right, right. do it. I mean, yeah, you can justify yeah. it, but that doesn't mean you had the right to do it in the first place. Correct. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, in, in terms of that, like, I can understand why people may like, you know, they want to lift the burden on themselves, but it's not justified for them to do that by restriction. Uh, no restriction, like in, in placing in, placing immigration restrictions on people. Well, by using, um, I mean, here's the thing: if they wanted to buy up all the land on the border and say you can't cross, yeah. and they wanted to use that land for something and justify their ownership of it, but but say you can't cross this. Well, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, you, you right. get to do that. Right. I mean, that, that, that's something that you, you would have the option. It's very much like the... Uh, and, and, to change, and to show the difference between that and what we would call uh, political borders or United States border control is that uh, in that scenario, they wouldn't have the right from, to stop someone from coming over on a plane. Right. <laughs> or something sure. like that over their property. But according to the United States immigration system, uh, the U.S. claims to control this entire the entire space within the border, not just the yes. border itself. So it, that, that is a difference also that shows like how yeah private borders and public, you know, state borders are not the same thing. Yes. And it's a it's an interesting actually. You make an interesting point, that idea that like even if somebody did do that, I mean, yeah, you could still catapult over it. You can still yeah. teleport beyond it. You can yeah. still hop on a the hop in an aircraft. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Ride a ride a weather balloon over it. Right. Yeah. And, and nobody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you survived the U.S. government, um, yeah. you would have a right to to be on the other side of that line. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another. So. So yeah. That's why I think the welfare argument is like it's the most common. Like, and this is not like Hoppus. Right. I want to be clear. Hoppus not making like the necessary. Hoppus making an argument similar to the welfare argument, but it's not. Thing. Uh, right. The most common argument for immigration restrictions that I see from libertarians is the welfare argument. So which, I, I think which that is isn't to point. say necessarily that you're on the wrong track. Like honestly, I I, I right. think you're just you're just choosing the wrong option. Right. <laughs> like you're just, you know what I mean. Like you actually have the solution in front of you. You're just picking the wrong one. Exactly. Exactly. When 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 faced with the the, and it's because and this is the thing too. And I and I do sympathize with this. It's because, I think anyway, I, I shouldn't make too broad a statement. I think, I think for a lot of people who make that argument, it's because they see the actual right choice as an impossibility. Sure. They see it as, as impossible that, um, that you could actually get rid of the welfare state instead of restricting immigration. Restricting immigration is a more possible thing Sure, than getting yeah, into the welfare state. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's absolutely why people think the way they do. But it's also one of those things where it's like that type of argument is almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? It because is. They don't think they can get rid of the welfare state, so they don't try. And therefore, the welfare state is never gotten rid of. Uh, it also fails as a matter of, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I, I, uh, I have become fond of the phrase, I don't compromise on people's rights. Yes. I just don't. Right. I just right. Do let it, yeah, right. It, it's 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 sort of like you know, let justice be done. Should the heavens fall, exactly. Uh, you know, let you 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 follow you uh, do never compromise on a person's right, and you let the chips fall where they may. Right, and and if uh, that means here's the thing too that that this is the thing, and and there was someone else that that was in a conversation in your comment section that I was talking to. <laughs> And they were using that same sort of argument. I can't remember what it was about, but their position was that it is, it's a waste of time, right? To, oh, right, right. It's, yeah. To hold the morally right position if the morally right <laughs> outcome is impossible. <laughs> and, yeah. and I don't buy it. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like saying that, well... Um, you know, I'm opposed to murder because I think the morally right outcome is a world without murder. But if my opposition to murder doesn't bring about a world without murder, then why should I even like be against murder in the first place? Right. right. That's kind of like the the logic of it. It's a very um, nihilist argument. It's it's an it's it's it very much is yes. <laughs> it's an argument of just of of like well. The these higher things, right? Morality, mm-hmm. <laughs> ethics. <laughs> these things it's don't also, matter if a world which perfectly conforms to them is not possible. And I just yeah, don't it, buy it's it. Very much, it's very much a utilitarian, and I mean that not in, in the philosophical sense, but in like a utility, a strict utility sense of you know this tool is not bringing about what the tool is designed for and therefore i'm not going to use the tool because what's the point of using the tool if it's not going to bring about the end i want right Um, that is like a mechanistic view of morality that i don't share um 
my like my opposition to murder is not that I think it will bring about a world without murder. My opposition to murder is that I think murder is wrong. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, sure, everyone believing that uh, will, will if everyone believed that truthfully, every, it would bring about a world without murder. But I'm not going to wait. I, I, I'm not. It's not like my my moral decision making or my moral maxim is contingent upon some greater outcome. Do you know what I mean? Right. Well, the uh, it's it's a. I see it as turning um, the ethos of like, OK, have you seen No Country for Old Men? Yeah. OK. Anton Sugar mm-hmm. and No Country for Old Men um, says something on the lines of like, if if a rule if a rule brought you to this, what use was the rule? Right, 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 right. And it's taking that like nihilist. He's a murdering villain of the story. Um, yeah, yeah. People, people are for some reason thinking that this is something to be inspired by. He's he's a murderous villain, <laughs> uh, nihilist. Um, <laughs> but um, people have taken that and turned it into like a philosophical outlook, where it's like if a rule does not. Um, cause the outcome I prefer than the rules without value. Right. This is uh to me. This is just like vulgar consequentialism, which I keep going it back is. to. A it lot. absolutely uh, is because um, it it's completely focused on the consequences of an action. Like like so for people who don't know, like, I I've talked about consequential a lot consequentialism a lot i want to give like a little background to what like what is consequentialism versus deontology real quick deontology is essentially a rules-based ethic it's an ethic that says you should not do x because x is bad or you were it is wrong to do x in itself right uh, actions are actions are right or wrong based upon their own merit yes and consequentialism says that the moral uh, the morality of an action is not determined until the consequences exist for it. So, um, if, like, you know, let's say you shot a person on the street uh, and killed them, the morality of that action, which we enclose as the, the murdering of the person, the, the morality for a vulgar consequentialist, the murder of that person is not morally right or wrong until we observe the after effects of, of it. Right. Um, that is consequentialism, right? Uh, so for, for a vulgar consequentialist who holds that ethic completely, uh, they, nothing ha- no action in itself has value unto itself. Uh, it is only the consequences of the actions that determine right or, the right or wrongness of the action, like retroactively, essentially. Um, I'm not going to go into a whole bit here about like, why I think it's kind of a, why it's kind of absurd, but, um, but, but that's essentially like the, that, that should help you kind of understand like the two, like, opposing ideologies here that's it's uh, yeah, a, a, an illustration of it that i like quite a bit is the baby hitler illustration where it's like if you could right. if you could go back in time and kill baby hitler and guarantee that world war ii and the holocaust would never happen like let's say that though that that mm-hmm. consequence of that action is guaranteed world war ii and the holocaust would never happen if you went back in time and killed baby hitler a consequentialist would be more apt to say yes i'll go back in time and kill baby hitler a deontologist would say it's wrong to kill babies <laughs> right <laughs> like like that's the and that's where it ends yeah why can't we just go back in time and kill hitler the moment about to, you know if we have a time machine let's just go back and kill him when he's about to you know kill just people, go back in time and kill him as soon power. as he's a politician 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but no. Yeah. So yeah, the idea that well, a moral rule is only has a, the, the idea that morality has some type of purpose that like it's to serve some greater end is something I disagree with. I don't think that's how I don't. That's never been my conception of justice. Right. Right. Uh, justice is an end unto itself. It's not you know. Because, well, you know, a world that's just might be, it might be great. I'm sure a world that is just will be great. But it's not, the greatness of that world doesn't retroactively justify justice. You the, know what I mean? The moral <laughs> just, right gains its value from its rightness. Not from, right, exactly. not from anything and else. I, and it doesn't need anything and else. And I know people, and I know some people might say, oh, well, that's just a tautology. Yes, it is. That doesn't mean it's not true. Uh, just because the tautology oh, it's tautology's has, definitionally true <laughs> it is yes. it is what it is because it is <laughs> right right yeah sometimes a thing just is right like <laughs> so um but yeah so i uh, that is so like the idea that well this this moral norm it doesn't really you know it, it you know if it brings us to a place it's horrible um, then you know, what's the point of it? I, we talked about this on the show once before, but I want to bring back the old the classic sheriff example. It's an argument against utilitarianism, which is a subset of consequentialism, mm-hmm. which is that you have a group of people within this town. They think this they think this dude is the murder. Let's say that there's a murder that happened. Everyone is outraged. They believe that a certain person within the town is the murderer, and they're so like hell bent lust. They have this lust for vengeance and blood that they want this person executed, right? And if they don't get him, and if, if he's not executed within 24 hours, they're going to burn the town down and probably kill hundreds of people in the process. Um, the sheriff, <clears throat> the local sheriff knows this person is innocent. Uh, and the question is, does he stand by uh, what he believes is right and say, no, 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 I'm not. This person is innocent. You know, uh, I, will, I will not execute him. Um, or does he like go with the mob and execute the person. Now, the consequentialist or utilitarian uh, might say that, well, you know, the uh, if it's found out that, you know, uh, you know, justice system isn't actually about justice, it might have even more bad consequences. But let's just say the sheriff is really good at covering it up. Let's say he's really good at covering up to make so that no one will ever find out that this person actually was in it, and he just executes them, right? Yeah. Um, it seems that a vulgar consequentialist would have to say, yeah. I, you know, I guess that was the right move or utilitarian. Very late. Yes. Uh, um, so, yeah, it's it's just about, you know, I don't believe that libertarianism truthfully is a consequentialist. I, th- I know there are consequentialist libertarians, but I don't think libertarianism in itself is a consequentialist framework, uh, truthfully. And I think a lot of like the discrepancies you see between people are, are ultimately be the a difference between deontologists and consequentialists. It's just like muddied in water. Yeah, I think so too. I think there are consequentialist arguments to be made for libertarianism, sure. but I don't think you can get. I don't think you can get down to the core I, I, of I, libertarian philosophy, like the NAP and stuff like that, without yeah. deontology. I, do I just say, don't think you can. There's a, and yeah, exactly. I do want to say I'm not against consequentialist arguments. I, I use consequentialist arguments a lot. I, I think anyone who argues ex- does. Anyone who argues for any, like any type of economics uh, is arguing oh, in sure. sense, uh, a consequentialist framework. But there's a difference between arguing for good consequences and d- saying, and there's a difference between, you know, consequentialism uh, in a moral philosophy framework. It's like, it, it, rightfulness yeah. or wrongness of an action is determined after the action takes place, not during the action. Right. Uh, 
the 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 there's a different you should consider the consequences of your actions but those are not the things that define the rightness or wrongness of the action correct you can have a you can have a perfectly right action in in air quotes right Mm -hmm. that is to say an action that is not uh wrong one that comports with Mm -hmm. let's just say the content of events even though there there are you know twists and turns and bits and bobs but Mm -hmm. let's just say an action that complies that comports with the content kingdom of ends but has a bad outcome for you the Mm -hmm. actor right yeah and and i think this is like you know this is separated between the people who think that morality exists because to like make you happy or something or to like produce good results the people who view morality like that they're essentially they're kind of like consequentialist even if they don't like describe themselves that way because ultimately they're if if so if some like thing that's a moral principle does not produce a moral like an outcome that they like then they'll just say well that's a pointless principle then right or it's a point you, right. you know it's what i mean the they look at it, it's yeah exactly they look at it as if it's a, it's a tool that's just not working right you know what i mean <laughs> or something like that yes it's like yeah why would i use a, use a screwdriver that can't drive screws <laughs> uh you know that sort of thing um yeah it's 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 like that um but yeah you know circling back to immigration for a moment uh, it, it's like, yeah, just as we're, you know, reiterating, just because an immigrant coming here may, in fact, uh, increase your and I'm not again, I'm not saying that the immigrant has a right to collect taxpayer dollars. I, I want to make no. that clear. The immigrant, if an immigrant has if an immigrant uh, taxpayer resources, you have the right to get that money back from them. Uh, full stop. OK, uh, I'm not arguing that they have a right to do anything. In fact, one of the things that annoys me about the immigration debate, uh, truthfully, is that a lot of people uh, take two different sets of actions and they bundle them together to act like they're the same thing. So a lot of times people will say that, well, crossing the border means that they're going to go on welfare. And if, if taking, uh, you know, our taxpayer money is unjustified, then crossing the border is unjustified too. When in reality, those are two different actions that uh, need to be analyzed separately, uh, not together. Um, right. That's the other. Uh, that, that is the other thing that that people kind of fail to do is that they do all this math on the. Uh, they take like a they take what they imagine to be I think a fifty thousand foot view and they do all this math on on averages or what they imagine aggregate. to be averages aggregates yep. exactly. Um, but the problem with that is it's definitionally collectivist. Yeah, I am. Um, if, if there's one thing I'm skeptical about. Uh, in regards to like moral philosophy, it's uh, I, the, I'm very skeptical of using aggregation or aggregates to purport or propose some moral framework, right, or some position uh, as an action. So, like, yes, you know, the, the existence of like, well, thirty percent of pe- this group of people did this last year, therefore, you know, it's useful. Uh, it's useful for analysis. It's not useful for determining. Yes. Uh, am I allowed to? Im- to impede someone's rights. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, that actually, uh, I think one of the last points on this, uh, or maybe not last point, but one of the next points I'll make on this real quick is that um, uh, the next argument that people make is the crime argument, right? Well, they're going to come here and they're going to commit murder, Dean. Uh, these people that we don't know, we don't have a background check for them at all. They could come here and commit crimes. Um, now, obviously, some some immigrants do immigrate to the country and they do commit violent crime. No, I have no, you know, um, I have nothing to say 
opposing that data. Um, but of course, that's true of a lot of things that people seem to have no problem with. Right? It's true of any subset uh, of society. We, yeah. So, it, it, right. Uh, these same people who argue that we should have, you know, a very lengthy, you know, selection process for immigrants also believe we should not generally also believe we should not have background checks for guns. Right. I was about to and say, I, I was about to say, now that you've, I agree. Now that you've made the argument for gun control, can we start talking about immigration? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So like, uh, I agree that, you know, yeah, no background checks, but also, also we have to, you know, you know, have a lot of background checks for people entering the country. Um, uh, and you know, um, the people who are like, well, these P why are we, why would, you know, here's the famous example. This is the example I've seen everyone use ad nauseum. If there was a container of jelly beans, Dean, and one in 100 jelly beans, let's say there's a thousand jelly beans, here, one in 100 of those jelly beans is poisonous. How many of them would you risk eating? Right? This is always yeah, their argument. I, yes. So, so, um, now this is fine as an argument it's in itself the problem is um jelly beans are not human beings with rights right um that's where it and that's where it down. sort of breaks down yes uh you know what imagine what imagine if i've reframed it like this and this is maybe this will help people see the absurdity more um one i, I may i'm pulling this number out of my ass so don't correct <laughs> people don't when you listen to this, one in 1,000 people uh, born are going to grow up to be mass murderers. Okay, now, how many children w would you risk creating? <laughs> well, this is the thing. Think about this. That the, the, your argument exists in real life. There is, this is a, uh, th there was a, um, now, people will have opinions about these guys or whatever, and I, I don't fucking care because it's actually, it's an interesting argument. Let's say the Freakonomics guys are right mm -hmm. about crime in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. The Freakonomics guys made the argument, are you familiar with this argument, that I the am. passage of Roe v. Wade in the 1970s, roughly 20 years on, the crime rate plummets. Yes. Okay? And they say mm -hmm. that this is... A, a there's there is a correlation here that could be at least in part causal that mm -hmm. that part of this decline in violent crime in the 1990s could be caused uh, again at least in part by uh, the legalization of abortion nationwide under Roe v Wade mm -hmm. so that argument. That argument, if, if we grant that that is true, that there is some causal connection there, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same argument. That we should yeah. have as much abortion as we, as we want or need because right. abortion causes crime rates to, to, to dissipate, to drop. Exactly. Yes. Yep. It's a, yeah, it's the same argument. <laughs> if we grant that those guys are right, which is what people would quibble with, they would say that they're not correct, even though I... <laughs> It's multi-causal, right? So there might be right. some of that. I imagine there's some of that in the soup, right? But, but yeah, but even if it, even if it is true, the the rightness or wrongness of abortion is distinct from it. Right? Yes, exactly. Like, like, whether or no not abortion is right or wrong is not de is not determined by whether it causes crime rates to drop. Right. Yes. So these, you know, the argument that well. Uh, you know, we, we can't have all these people just coming into our country because, you know, they can bring violent crime with them. Yeah. Um, 
you have now made the argument that people should not be able to travel from town to town. Yes. Yeah. So if we take that argument seriously, in fact, not what if we not even town to town? We can go much farther than that, block to block. Yeah. You shouldn't be able I don't to leave your know. house. You might commit right. a crime if you leave your house. And now, and now we're back to the last episode where we talked about people being in a magical prison. No one could leave and yes. completely safe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> what level of risk? What, what's your level yeah. of risk assessment on that? Yeah. I mean, right. and, and that's one of the. Uh, actually, you make me think of something. I don't know if many of these people know this, but the way that the whole criminal illegal immigrant thing is handled now. Um, and I think, I think many of these people will be very disappointed to learn this. Uh, if, a, if, a, if an illegal immigrant commits a crime apart from their immigration status, mm-hmm. uh, especially a violent crime, um, they uh, aren't deported immediately. Mm-hmm. Because they're in the United States. And in the United States, people in the United States have rights. Um, legal rights that are outlined in, in the constitution, which applies to anyone within the borders of the United States, which is something a lot of people seem to not understand. Um, if you're a human being within the United States, it applies to you. (laughs) Um, but they get a trial and then they get, uh, their, their status, whether it's, whether it's a conviction or not, if it's a conviction, they serve their time. They, they, they go to prison. There are people who are illegal immigrants who have been sentenced to decades in prison only to be deported as soon as, as, soon as the sentence is up. <laughs> so if your concern is that these people are criminals who will take welfare, you've already got that in that you're going to give them three hots and a cot for decades if they do commit a crime of the nature you're concerned about, right? Um, they're going to get three hots and a cot for decades on your dime before they get deported. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the way the system works now. If that's a, right. if, 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 if your dream system is what you claim your dream system is, it's what we already have. Right. As far as all that's concerned, the, the criminal aspect of it. Right. And it's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not good. <laughs> I just uh, I just find like most immigration arguments I hear uh, opposed to like open immigration always have like all these other arguments that they make that like if they applied them equally would be horrifying and they themselves would find it. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, sure. Uh, you know, every time you have a child, that child could the next hitler you don't know uh you know <laughs> uh or or you know at the very least they could be some murderer or something uh but that doesn't mean that you know just because you know one in however many could be very violent that doesn't mean that you know uh the, the like you therefore it's unjustified to procreate or something and in the same way it's unjustified to allow them into country right uh, because some of them may be criminals it's like yeah uh, freedom means risk it means that some people have the potential to commit atrocity they don't have the right to commit atrocities but they have the potential freedom gives them the potential of it all people have um, that potential it's the crux of of yeah. the hobbesian argument for government is that right. <laughs> like the the the, the hobbesian argument for government the leviathan 
is a is the thing to which people give up their ability to act right Hobbes yeah. uses the words rights I disagree with his use of that word um their their ability to act they give to the Leviathan and the yeah. Leviathan tells yeah. them which acts they can take the Hobbesian conception of rights is essentially potential like yes. Hobbes would say that you like a person has a right not to be murdered and another person has a right to them uh, in the sense that they have like this subjective right in in some sense like i have a right to fight you to stop you from murdering me and the other person has the right to try to murder me he right. uses it in a very like like moral free way is it's that that which you can do hobbs calls a yes. right yes 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 yeah not 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 that it would be necessarily good or justifiable for you to do it or not that you have a lockean right to it uh-huh. But right, yeah. um, if you if you can do it, Hobbes calls it a right, which is why I find uh, I don't. It, it's confused a lot of people into thinking Hobbes is correct about things. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, um, actually, the the aggregate point is something I wanted to touch on again too. Because like when when people talk about like how, uh, and this is why I find like aggregates uh, extremely. Uh, God, uh, they're very like. All an aggregate really is is almost a tautology, right? It's right. basically it's just saying what it's saying. You know, it, you can't really to, when you whenever you extract anything from it, you're 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 doing that by just adding something onto. It. Do you know what I mean? You're not yes. actually. It's not like you're deducing something from it. You're just extracting. Um, if it's you say a, it's a method by of, which you can determine what is, but it doesn't necessarily yes. tell you what to do with that information. Exactly, exactly. So if you say 30% of X group committed, you know, uh, a murder, uh, committed a murder last year, right? Um, that doesn't mean any one person in that group is 30% likely or to, to commit a murder. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, it doesn't mean that all it says is what it says. It's a description. It's a descriptor. It's not saying, as you said, it's not saying what things should be or how they will be in the future at all. Especially um, given a particular act, because there's a, mm-hmm. a lot of people will take aggregates, right? Especially you have pundits and talking heads and things like that. They take these aggregates and they say, okay, so let's say we, let, let's take an aggregate. Let's say, um, oh, I'm having trouble coming up with one. It's not totally controversial and distracting in its controversialness. Um, <laughs> um, let's, let's take an aggregate like, well, let's just make one up. Um, Oh, here we go. 30% of white women fuck dogs. Yeah, okay. Okay? Let's say 30% of white women fuck... It's the only thing I can think of. Let's say 30% of that I can use without it being ridiculously this distracting. This is the non-controversial one that yeah, you pulled yeah, out. it's the first one that came to my mind that was more comedy than controversial. Um, <laughs> let's say 30% of white women fuck dogs, right? Yeah. Uh, as you said, that doesn't mean any given white woman is 30% likely to fuck a dog. Yeah. Right. It means that thirty percent of actually, white women are one hundred percent likely to, to fuck a dog. <laughs> I've I've seen that argument that pe- people actually do think that's what the aggregate says, dude. I've I've seen people say this. Oh, uh, it's crazy. It just it doesn't track. But even outside no. of that, you can't then take that and make a policy prescription out of it. Like let's say right. let's say we all agree that it's bad for white women to fuck dogs. I I happen to agree with that, but let's just say we all agree with that. Um mm-hmm. Okay, so what's the policy prescription when we come out of that? White women don't get dogs? Is that the new rule? Right. 
Yeah, I mean, it's every gun control policy, essentially. Yes! It's an appeal to aggregation. Yes, absolutely. So white women aren't allowed to have dogs anymore. White women aren't allowed to buy peanut butter anymore. Maybe we go there. <laughs> like, what yeah. do we, like, it, it, but you can't tell, you cannot tell what the outcome of that's going to be. What about all the white women who can't make their kids peanut butter sandwiches now? Right. Like, this is an yeah. unintended you consequence are... of the policy you decided to make. All policy proposals based on aggregates is ultimately just a collectivism branded, right? Yes. You are, you are, you are imprinting what some people of a group did as blame to what some other indiv- to individuals across the board within that group. Uh, exactly. Share, right. So like, um, uh, if you know, if you know, if a bunch of if a small group of people within a subset go commit a crime with a gun, and you say, "Well, we need to get rid, take away that group's guns." You're taking away a bunch of people's guns who have never harmed anyone and who right. never have an intent. To well, harm I mean, uh, like so, that. I mean, if you, actually, let's actually look at the fucking mass shooter data. It is mostly men, right? Yes, it is mostly men. Exactly. It's almost entirely yeah. men. So, what are we yeah. saying now? Men don't get guns. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't track. Right. I mean, you, 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 you. That argument doesn't work in any other place than with, frankly, the only place that people actually make those arguments and that anybody actually buys them is generally um, when you're talking about highly politicized collectivizations. And like you said, it's it's an abstraction of a collectivization. It's also a violation of Hume's is-ought gap, Hume's guillotine, right? Is that you can't get an ought from an is. And I know that's kind of controversial in in some places. uh, It very much is that you're taking a descriptor and there and like pulling a prescription out of it ass. right uh, that you know what i mean uh yeah it, it's very much um very much that exactly and it, it it and just like i mean there's i was i saw this recently i've seen a number of people i've seen uh i've seen trends among mm-hmm. people with whom um i'll put it this way people with whom i once agreed and now disagree um mm-hmm. i've seen a trend where it's it's shedding the old language, right? Yes. Um, and I, I wonder if you've noticed this trend as well. One that I saw yes, recently was the idea of individualism. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I think I know exactly what you're talking about, actually. So, so <laughs> we might have seen the same things. Um, but it. it was going around in many places, yeah. uh, or, or on many feeds, I should say. But this idea of shedding individualism in favor of collectivism, because and I think this is why I think a lot of that is working backward from uh, working backward from a prescription and finding a justification. So, like, if you're because because it seems to me that people didn't start doing that until it became untenable to maintain a level of individualism and believe the things they believed. I, yes, I, I completely agree with that. And I'll, so I re, I'm pretty sure I, I read the thing I think you're referencing. Um, and I'll tell you that. Um, so every time I read something about individualism or someone has some critique of individual, I, I just take a deep breath and I'm like, OK, I'm going to read some inglorious bullshit. And I, <laughs> I know I'm about to. And as I'm about to do this, I think in my head, okay, 
I almost take like a bingo card before I go in. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, they're going to talk about how no man is an island. They're going to talk yes. about like how we're, you know, our actions affect other people. They're going to talk about like how no one person creates culture. Uh, they're going to talk about all this bullshit and say, well, therefore individualism is incorrect as a theory. And it's like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. Like, you, I'm just, I'm so sick of this idea that, well, uh, it, it's like, well, yeah, what if I just took, like, atomism, which is a, a dumb name, too, <laughs> um, and I just pretended that to be individual, uh, you know. Or, or it really shit. is every individuals time. Are not saying, individuals are not saying, like, man is just a self-made person, every person's self-made, there is, that there's no causal relationship to others. That there's no, you know, the, all these like straw men that they pull out of their ass. And it's so infuriating that that has to be intentional, right? It, it, it's too perfectly bad not to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's also, it's, it's, it's also a, there seems to be a conception. And I think this is the fault of, I'll tell you, I'll tell you where I think this comes from. And I might be wrong about this. It's, it's just my own sort of pet theory bullshit. But. I think the sort of um, American conception of individualism politically, right, is at fault for a lot of the things that people strawman individualism as a sure. as a worldview with. So you have this this classic sort of the classic example of American individualism, as in like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or. Um, the it's it's actually it got spun very effectively into Scientological doctrine, whereby Scientologists <laughs> believe that if something bad befalls you, it's because of something you did. There is no such <laughs> thing as circumstance, right? Right. Um. And and there's I think there's a there's a balance to be had, right? You can fuck up and cause yourself to be in a bad situation. No. Sometimes bad situations befall people. <laughs> Sometimes an anvil falls out of the sky and drops on someone's head. Exactly. Uh, they didn't they do anything to cause there. that. Yeah. Um, right. So, uh, so there's a, there's, I think there's a balance to be had. And I think there's sort of an objective sort of view you have to take of things. Cause there's, everybody knows somebody who calls everything a consequence, right? They're a constant victim mm-hmm. of circumstance and there's no, there's no, uh, there's no way out of sort of where they think they are. Which is a, a toxic, I think, sort of self um, self demolishing view to have. Mm-hmm. You destroy your own potentiality when you're a victim of yeah. circumstance at all times. But there are also circumstances <laughs> that you can be a victim of. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just because some, a lot of people try to play the victim doesn't mean victims don't exist, right? It's like, you, like exactly. sometimes they absolutely do. A lot of times they absolutely do. But um, there's a weird and, sort of vein of American individualism that rejects the idea of the victim of circumstance just out of hand. Oh, right. This are oh, you talking about like this whole, oh, yeah, you just pick yourself up with your bootstraps. Yes. Which is something which it might be good advice uh, in like, uh, 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 you know, a non-charged way, but it's often used to imply that, oh, well, it, you know, everything is just, you know, you just have to do everything on your own, you know, no, you know, no matter when what it's a, and all this. Yeah, when it's advice that. about grit and gumption and stick to I think it's good. But when it carries with it the assumption that every negative thing in your life is because you fucked up somewhere, uh-huh. right. without exception, 
it's it's toxic i think to some yes, extent absolutely a hundred percent and i i want to uh you know uh max Weber, obviously you know uh methodological individualism mm-hmm. i want to i want to like talk about this for a little bit because it's very important and i not you know it, it irks me whenever i see people critiquing individualism because they're obviously not addressing what a lot of like people who claim to be individuals are saying like they're they're taking the caricature of individualism and attacking that's what i'm saying they're they're, um, they're taking this form of american individualism that is that is negative this sort of almost uniquely american post-industrial yeah. individualism and 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 critiquing that right instead of at, Weber, what individualists actually think i'm sorry continue right now to say all max Weber is saying is uh that when all social phenomenon can be reduced to individual interaction. Right. That is ultimately what he's saying. There's the so common like, denominator of any, of any action is our individual yes. is an individual action. Like that's yes. at all so times. Another way to phrase it is um, individuals are sociologically monadic in, uh, in philosophy, a monad or, um, or a monad—I uh, think it's sometimes called a monad or a monad, um, or it is called a monad. But um, it's an like an individual, an elemental substance that is irreducible. It's not reducible to anything prior to itself. Right. It is a whole unto itself. Now it can be used uh, as parts of other things. So monads cannot be reduced to anything lower than themselves, but they can be uh, added together to form other whole things. Right, and that's all individuals are. Is essentially that's the that's kind of a, a way to look at individuals. Um, now, individuals are not physically monadic, right? We can be broken down; our bodies can be broken down uh, into smaller and smaller units, obviously. Sure. But sociologically, we are. Uh, we we uh, as far as how we view human actors, how we view human agents and actions within society, um, the lowest common denominator, as you said, is the individual. Um, it is uh, the 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 concept of culture. And groups necessitates the individual. Groups cannot exist without the individual, but the individual could theoretically exist without the group. Um, yeah. Like the, yeah, the, the, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's all he's saying. That's all methodological individualism is, ultimately. Um, it's just saying that the, the phenomenon we see in society, uh, these types of things, culture, group, uh, all any type of cooperative activity is a result of individuals adding their labor together, adding their, you know, creative vision, whatever you want to say, yeah. uh, together to form something that the, they could not do on their own. That is not, like, that is not what we mean by collectivist. Like, that is perfectly in line with individuals. So whenever someone says individuals just don't care about groups or, or whatever, or associations, it's just that my eyes roll back into my head, dude. Uh, because I, it's, I just, a, it's, it's such it's a... so annoying. It it gets to the point where it's like it, this can't be a simple misunderstanding. Like it has to be, like you said, it has to be on purpose because right. there's there, there's no no one makes those arguments, right? At least no one who who is any kind of deep thinker because that that sort of that sort of American individualism, post industrial American individualism, right? Is is a is political bumper stickers. It's not an actual philosophy. It's not a thought. It's pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's it carries with it all of these um all of these uh prescriptions that are uh false on their face. 
Like, again, it, and it, the kind that dovetailed right into Scientology, this idea that if anything negative befalls you, it's because of you, because something's wrong right. with you. You fucked up something. Um, that, that is not, <laughs> that, that's not individualism, no. philosophically. That's American yeah. post-industrial individualism. Which I think I'm going to call it from now on because it's it's a it's a it's a mouthful, but I think it's the only way to describe what I'm talking about without Post, using the word individualism, individualism alone. and its consequences. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, because it's there's nothing. It's not to say that there there cannot be communitarian things among individualists. There's right. a reason that there's a reason you and I talk and hang out and and have a have a yeah, social and, relationship. The idea that, you know, well, individualists, they're just opposed to sports, you know. Uh, right. Like, no. No, not at all. <laughs> I just don't. But I, I, I did notice that, that, that there is a, mm -hmm. in order to justify, um, in order to justify taking policy prescriptions from the aggregate, you have mm -hmm. to abandon individualism philosophically. And I think that's what we're seeing again, working backward from a, a uh, working backward from a conclusion and building, mm -hmm. trying to build the logic in reverse. Right. And that necessitating, we have to, we have to get rid of individualism. We can't keep holding on to this idea because it makes the rest of our shit fall apart. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it's, I mean, it's true. It does make the rest of the shit fall apart, but it's like, I mean, but, but does, does that mean, the, I think that just means the rest of your shit's wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it's... think that, I don't think that means you have to change the core, the core thing and especially lie about it in order to change it. Um, there was one more thing on immigration. I do touch on. Um, yes, absolutely. One more argument wanted to address that i forgot uh but it's very it's very similar to the welfare argument same same style and actually same retort that i have for it which is the democracy argument right which is this idea that well if we get immigrants in here like a bunch of immigrants they'll go and they'll vote for uh, status policies right right uh, right yeah. the size of the state and therefore it's just, if we want a libertarian society uh therefore we should uh, restrict people from entering the country and then voting for Democrats or whatever. What, because they, you know, Republicans are obviously fine, uh, but Democrats are not too far. But um, the argument it will be that, well, you know, yeah, uh, you know, these people could come across and they uh, uh, they cross the border, vote in all these state elections because you know um, everyone wants more votes and they're gonna uh, they want illegals to vote for them, obviously, uh, and therefore. Um, you know, the size of the state will grow and the, uh, you know, the potentiality of a libertarian society in the future will lessen. Uh, that, that's their argument. I don't think I'm straw manning it. Um, and essentially, um, this argument also applies to children because yes. many children, uh, uh, will grow up one day to be able to vote in this country. Um, and they're also going to more than likely now, look, I'm using aggregates as a, I'm, I'm generalizing, but most people, will probably not be libertarians, uh, you know, hopefully they will be, but probably not. And given that, uh, assuming that, I should say, um, assuming that uh, the procreation of children is very likely to 
essentially also increase the size of the state over time, right? right. Because more you're going to get more voters. Um, and uh, therefore, if we more say state. if we say almost all voters vote to increase the size of the state, which I think is true. Yes. Yes. Um, and like some, what is it? Some forty percent of adults are voters. Yep. Uh. That means kids who grow up to be adults, 40% of those are going to vote to increase the size of the state. Likely to, yeah. 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 Almost, so, almost, yeah. almost guaranteed. Right. <laughs> so, so are, you're arguing against procreation again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, that, because if they were consistent, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go for it. No, no. I was just going to say, yeah, if they were consistent, that's what they would have to say. Um, now, maybe they think that, well, you know, that's that's a little bit too over the line for me. You know, I'm fine with restricting immigrants because, you know, it doesn't bring them much harm. Uh, but I'm not fine about restricting procreation. But again, I'm not talking about abortion. I'm just talking about a person like never being like born or created in the first place. Right. right. Uh, so uh, you can't claim that that's a harm to them prior to them existing. That's just a, a restriction on the two parent couples who may want to procreate. Right. Um, uh so, and maybe they'll see that as more invasive, but I think that's I, I, there's a lot of ways you could think an ICE agent kicking someone out of the country is also invariant. It's relatively uh, invasive itself, yeah. Uh, um, so there's also, I mean, but I mean, to 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 put it another way, you're not restricting the existence of a kid; you are restricting the parent's uh, right to procreate, just as you're restricting someone else's right to move from one place to right, another. If, if this, right. If this person. Uh, procreates, they may, their child may grow up and very well may increase the, want to vote to increase the size of the state. Um, and I don't think that people are consistent enough to actually apply that to children. And I think that's a big, like, uh, black mark against this argument in many cases that, yeah, this leads to absurdities, which you would never accept, uh, if it was applied to this standard. What's the general, what is the, now where this is, we've, Mm -hmm. You especially, but I agree with you, uh, have reduced this down to the the kid argument uh, a few mm-hmm. times. Um, yeah. And I think it's correct. I think it's a fine analogy because all the same logic applies. Why is the outcome different? Um, but my, I, I do want to ask you, what is the general response to that analogy? Why is that analogy a bad analogy? Because they, they, they mm-hmm. I have never seen someone respond to that analogy by saying that's a good analogy i just wouldn't do that for some other reason i always see them attack the analogy itself why do they say the analogy is bad uh i mean i've I've seen some people say that well children are different than immigrants which uh sure yeah in what sense that doesn't really show but well they're saying that in, in just the sense that they're using they're saying that they're it's different in the sense that a child is a child and an immigrant is an immigrant and i'm not Straw manning, that's what they're saying. So they're saying it's different, and they're saying the players are different, but yes, that's why it's an analogy. That's why it's an, yeah, that's, that's not, not an attack on the yeah, argument. So it, it doesn't really attack <laughs> the analogy. I've, now, some people have said that, well, go, it basically, like, the, the best critiques of it I've seen are the ones who go at the invasiveness of it, is they'll say that, well, yeah, but, you know, uh, kicking someone out of the country is less than, you know, a biological necessity to procreate, than restricting, it, like, some biological necessity. Um, so, uh, okay, yeah, they could go there, but again, as far as libertarian property rights are concerned, which is where the basis of my argument lies, I don't really think that's here nor there. 
truthfully. Yeah, it doesn't uh, really apply. If you were trying to do... Again, it's a consequentialist argument. And, and if you're coming from a, a deontological ethic that says that impeding people's rights is wrong, right? If, if you're coming from right. a deontological ethic, which it, 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 you can't measure a wrong action against another wrong action and justify it as... Um, as a right action, right? Well, it, Again, you might have yeah, no choice yeah. in the matter in some ways, but but at, at bottom, wrong is wrong, regardless of yeah, the I, degree I, of wrong to you personally. Wrong, yeah, for a deontologist, wrong is not on, like, okay, it's not like wrongness and rightness are on a spectrum. There is a spectrum of wrongness, like some things are more wrong than others, but it's not like the spectrum uh, is contained by rightness over here and then wrongness over here. And sometimes there's this middle ground where sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's not, you know, all this so, sort of like, you know. That which, uh, is, that which is wrong cannot become right merely by comparison to a more wrong thing. That's correct. Yes, correct. Right. So there's separate, there, there's a spectrum of good, I think there is a spectrum of wrongness and rightness. But uh, just because that's the case, that doesn't mean rightness and wrongness are on the spectrum. Right. Uh, they're, they're contained. Um, yes, you're talking, it's, it's two different levels of yes. existence. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, so, yeah. 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 So that's, that's been most of the time. I've had some people, and I'm not, I'm not claiming this is unique. Like, I, 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 I thought of this argument, but I'm not claiming that this argument is unique to, my, to me, like the baby argument. I, I, I know I've seen oh, other no make it but i know i've seen a lot of people very receptive to it like i've i've had people change their mind because of this argument um, well because it's I, it, I, it's I, kind of unassailable logically because mm -hmm. the only thing you can do so. really to try and attack it because again the the facts all other facts are the same and the all the other logic is the same with the exception that now we're talking about a kid entering the country as opposed to an immigrant entering the country that's the right. only difference between the two, which is what makes it such a strong analogy. So all mm -hmm. you can really do is attack the analogy as bad. And, right. and I have yet to see someone do that convincingly. I'm, I'm open to mm -hmm. it. Because like, like, analogies, yeah. I, I think analogies do have inherent flaws that make them attackable yes. in that way. But if right. you can't so find it. Disanalogous. Yeah. yeah, right. But if you, if you can't find it, then, then it, it, seems to, it seems to be functional. As an analogy, yeah, just telling if someone's trying to if you're trying to critique an analogy, just telling the person who made the analogy, well, it's either dumb or it's it's disanalogous or those things are not the. That's not an argument. Like like just saying that well, the things in the analogy bridge are not the same. It's like well, yeah, that's why it's an analogy. Yeah. inherently, if it was the same, I wouldn't have to make the analogy. Inherent in an analogy is that I'm 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 arguing that there are certain qualities that are the same within things that are not the same. Right. Um, and the, the, the an strongest thing that I've seen was the 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 strongest thing that I heard was mm -hmm. when you earlier said that people will argue that the kid doesn't have a choice to be born and the immigrant right. has a choice to cross the border. That is a that is an attack on the analogy. It draws a clear distinction yeah. between the two things. Yes. I just fail to see how it's relevant. Right, right. Like you're pointing out how things are different and how they're not is, you know, not the same, which I agree with. They're not like, uh, you know, if I'm comparing an apple and orange as and I'm saying they're fruit, I, there's a lot of differences between apples and oranges. Uh, right. You know what I mean? Uh, but it, it all depends on like an, bridge, like an analogy can be bridge two things that are very, very different from each other. 
And it doesn't mean the analogy is bad necessarily. Right. Uh, it just means you have to look at what is the link. What am I trying to link between these two things that are different? That's what that's the important part. And as you said, like, you know, um, one has intent and one does not. And, you know, that is a that is certainly a difference. I do think a stronger critique than others. Um, but I don't think ultimately it passes the bar of like uh, making it disanalogous. I, it, I think, well, it I doesn't. Think, I, in I never case, made it the doesn't argument. because the, the 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 parents who are procreating have that choice. Yes, that's true, and, and that's the restriction I that never, you're discussing. Correct, and it's never uh, intent was never like um, a premise in my original analogy anyway, or my argument. Right, it's not point. relevant so, like, to it. Right. So like even if a person like even if there's an illegal immigrant that was drugged on a plane and then parachuted uh, unconsciously into America, they didn't have intent to come here. But nevertheless, the same people arguing this would say that, well, uh, no, he's got to (laughs) go, you know. Well, I mean, how Uh, many allowances are you going to make? I mean, for example, let's say let's say the choice thing matters. Well, let's say you have a now now you've got a kid and their parents are immigrating illegally. At mm-hmm. what point does that kid have a choice to tell the parents no? Right. At, at, at what time are you going to say that because there's a choice and that's the only difference here, that's the difference mm-hmm. here that makes the difference. At what age is a kid who is brought across the border by their parents, at what age did they not have a choice in the matter? At what point right. of development do they not have a choice in the matter? I'm not going to hold people down to a number. At what point of development? Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think they I don't think you can draw that line, not convincingly. Right, right. Yeah. So if choice is the issue there, I mean it still applies. It still mm-hmm. applies to this one subset of people, at least. And so your 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 argument then must be that if a kid is beyond the point that they would have a choice functionally to say no to crossing the border, then they must be deported too. Must be. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, also going back to the democracy argument, because I I do link it to the, uh, you know, the child argument, because I actually think the child argument is fairly strong across the board. Like, I think you can link it like almost every single argument against immigration. I think you can uh, use this analogy. You can alter the and tweak the analogy in ways to uh, show why it's still applicable. Um, But another thing is also like if your argument is that. Uh, well, you know, they're going to come across the border and they're going to vote for policies we don't like or politicians we don't like. Uh, there's a couple different ways libertarian right? So as a libertarian, you could say um, voting is inherently aggression or voting is not inherently aggression, right? Okay. Uh, now, I'm not going to make a, a case for one or the other episode, but I do want to say those are like two th- two positions a libertarian could hold, right? Yes. Um, both are, now, both can be, both can be, I, I'm, mm. You can give a plausible yeah. argument for both. You can. If I'm not committed. To you one. can make a plausible um, argument for both. I have I have opinions, see, but I I I don't think too. it's a I don't think it's a universal yeah. thing. I, I think you can make an argument. Yeah. Right. Right. I agree. Um. So if they you know if they say that well, voting can be an aggression. Okay. Even if you want, even if you want to say that voting is inherently aggression, what. I'm just going to like, you know, kind of snarkily ask what that what does that have to do with the act of crossing the border itself, which is which is right. the argument for me. <laughs> you know what I That's mean? Two separate it's things. Not like right. If you want to if you want to ideally, if you want to ban them from voting entirely, yeah. I mean, again, attack the welfare state, not the immigration, attack the voting thing, not the immigration. 
if you want to restrict them from like uh you know welfare voting i i don't see a libertarian case against that uh at all in the same way that i don't see a libertarian case against restricting people from uh you know welfare or voting now uh but but i well unless you know you've been stolen from the state then you do or you are owed uh welfare in some sense by restitution sure. but that's sure. a separate thing um but yeah, so like the, these two things, even if you want to say the voting argument, uh, voting argument, you're still missing the point that this is a they're still assuming that both these things are coupled together, which even if you do assume that there's still problems with the argument. But but nevertheless, these things are two distinct things. right? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're two different things. And, and the the. I find uh, there was an interesting sort of thing that you said, and it made me think of something else, and now I'm having trouble remembering it. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Um, the, uh, the, the argument, again, if, if we want to make the argument, it's coming back. If you want to make the argument, the consequentialist argument about the voting, right? Mm-hmm. The the counter argument to what I had just said, which was if you want to restrict them from voting, then argue to do that, right? Argue in support of that. The counter argument would be, well, the state wants to maintain its power, and so it won't do that because it knows that they're mm-hmm. going to vote this way, and so it's going to enable them to vote because that helps them. Mm-hmm. If we're going that far down the consequentialist rabbit hole, then it doesn't fucking matter anyway. Because right. <laughs> the state controls, and this was a point that Bird actually made, uh, uh, mm-hmm. or Maggot Unit One 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 made on the last episode we had him on, which was they control the education, right? They control, they, they fucking control everything that that programs people to vote for the state, to vote mm-hmm. in favor of state power. They control right. all of that. So the consequentialist argument, what you're you're arguing over nickels and dimes at that point. Because right. the, the, the immigration voting is not as much of a problem as far as people voting for the state to have power as the fact that everyone's educated in the same fucking child farm and told yeah. that they have to vote to give the state more power. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, from a, well, from, even from the consequential perspective, it's like, what difference does that make? In the if we're talking in the aggregate in the grand view of things, that's nickels and dimes. It doesn't. It does not matter. Uh, but you know, also, if you're if you're a person who if you're like a libertarian or anyone about immigration, uh, because you're worried about like the votes being swung in a certain direction, then it doesn't seem to me that there's any argument to say that you shouldn't also be just as worried about migration, internal migration uh, from state to state. Uh, so right, like uh, a person who goes from like California to Texas or vice versa, uh, they're going to be an increase in the net population of a certain voting demographic. Um, right? Uh, well, you've seen that a lot with a people. Uh, you've seen actively. You've seen that a lot with people moving to Austin. Yeah. Right. So you know, um, I, I'm not saying I'm not. You, you can be worried about both, and that's perfectly consistent. But it seems to me people are much more aggressive in advocating for immigration restrictions from people out of the country as opposed to people inside the country. Uh, nevertheless, right. even if those, even if the people in the country are more of a threat uh, politically than the people outside the country. Um, I wonder, I wonder how much of the national divorce conversation, I wonder how many people 
and this is going to sound a little bit fucking blue and on and weird. Um, and, but I'm, and I'm, I'm pro national divorce. I'm for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can make it work. Let's do it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it, but I wonder how many people use that as a way to smuggle in exactly what you're describing. The mm-hmm. an, an immigration restriction between California and Texas. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly, I certainly think that's the idea, right? To like have distinct polities uh, where uh, the rules are essentially set, right? Um, and again, I'm not advocating for democracy, but I think the idea behind it, is like an democratic uh, idea of like, yeah, we're here. This is how we do things. Uh, if right. you want to go somewhere else, you're perfectly free to, right? Uh, and things like that. So I think that certainly, I, I think that certainly, you know. Uh, a reason I agree with that, yeah. But I think the people who argue, most people who argue for immigration restrictions are not arguing that, hey, uh, someone moving into my town is aggression because they could vote for a politician I don't like. Yeah. Most people they, I might not like who they vote for for mayor. Right. Right. Yeah, it seems not to really trickle down that far. I, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. ah, man. I wonder if people just get caught up in the macro stuff. Because it's, 100%. It's one of those things where it's like, you can't really, I can't, I, I, I have cared less and less and less about federal politics. The more Mm -hmm. I have, uh, frankly, you know what? The more I've seen how much action actually happens in, um, courtrooms, like Mm -hmm. at the county level, um, or, or from, you know, uh, uh, town councils, things like that, the more I've seen how much action actually happens as a result of those groups, the less I've cared about federal politics. Yeah. And it's one of those things that, to me, and and we were having this discussion the other day, actually, the idea of, like, there's a, and and this was part of that same conversation, actually, about the, um, a a wrong thing doesn't become, or a right Mm -hmm. thing doesn't, uh, stop being right just because you perceive it as impossible. Um, right. The, there's like a weird sort of serenity prayer thing that's crept its way into my mind over the last couple of years. And it's, it's sort of this idea that like, I, I don't, uh, and none of us can, and this is, I think, a lie that we're told when we first are introduced to libertarianism that causes a lot of problems for people, mm-hmm. which is that um, there's a possibility, or a, a probability, I should say, everything's possible, but there's a, there's a probability of some kind of success in you building your, your utopia, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and it takes a minute. To, to sort of understand that there is no utopia, that nothing is utopian. You can only get better than right. you are now. Um, I think all it does, all it has done, all letting go of that, and I let go, go of that a long time ago, but I didn't quite know how to deal mm-hmm. with it until recently. Over the last couple of years, it seems to have occurred slowly, but I'm I'm starting to understand, like, Okay, a right thing is right, and I'm not letting go of that. I'm not going to compromise on right. Right. It's not, it would, it, because if I'm compromising on right, I'm doing something that is definitionally wrong. <laughs> and I don't want yeah. to do that. And so, to me then, all it means is I need to refocus and try to make right happen where I can. 
and try to make yeah. right happen where I can impart my will on things around me, the, the, the part of my world that I can touch. I need to be, at, yeah. I need to refocus on that. It's like a serenity prayer type of thing. You right, know, the, right. the, what is the, what is the serenity prayer? The, what is it? What's the first one? It's the, it's the strength. Is it the strength to change the things I can? Yes, yes. And then uh, the, the serenity to accept the things I can't and the, uh, the wisdom to know the difference. That's the serenity prayer. Yes, yes. That to me is like the better solution to the, I think the right thing might be impossible. Well, right. I, it's interesting to me that uh, like, I'm always interested to see like what he's, you know, a lot of people can call themselves libertarian and I'm not going to dispute that with them, but I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in seeing like, what was the reason you adopted this philosophy? Like why uh, was it, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's absolutely true. You hit it on a great point, which is that I think some people do get this because they think that libertarianism or the, the norms of libertarianism are like a, a tool or a charter, right? As to how, how, what do we do to create the society we want to live in type thing. Um, and I think that's, I viewed it all. I've always viewed it backwards to that. I've always viewed it as, okay, um, these are the, I've always viewed it as, this is what we like as social creatures owe to each other yes. right? as moral maxims, moral norms. And the maximization of that would create the society we theorize about. Like, if, you know what I mean? If everyone acted like we would have that society, but it's not like they, the, the purpose of it is to create the society. And I right. think that's where some people get tripped up. Right. Um, it's, a, it's not that you, it's not that you do, it's not that you believe in the right thing in order to build a society that you see as ideal. It is that a right. society which is based on these notions of right is the only society which has any right to exist. Right. Yes, and and correct. and any other society is is one that is inherently flawed and wrong. Yeah, and like, look, any type, any time, like some type of technology or some like political development pushes the needle in the direction of freedom, I think that's great. So I do, I don't want to make it seem like I don't celebrate those, or I, or that I wouldn't be happy, or that I, you know, I, I don't value things that pursue that type. Sure, of Sure, it's not necessarily to disparage incrementalism. Right, right, but I. I do hold that. Look, I, I, I'm, I, I'm always a fan of like pushing extremes, which is to say that I, I find that if you can test your principles in the most extreme conditions, you can test how strong they are, right? Like a stress test yes. for your own uh, principles. And I've always had the inclination that, look, I don't think the state is inevitable uh, in the sense that I don't, or sorry, I don't think it's like ever present. I think people will always try to rule other people, but I don't think the state is a political system will last forever. But, but, I will. I'm will, perfectly willing to assume the idea that it will, um, and that doesn't change anything about my beliefs. Yeah, right? yeah right. Like, I mean, uh, the the fact that the fact that the nation state is a relatively recent recent experiment in human history, and it is, the nation mm-hmm. state is a new thing in our history as a species. Mm-hmm. Um, very new. <laughs> uh, the the the. That and and the and the fact that I do think is an experiment that's doomed to fail. I don't think the nation state is sustainable. Um, that that fact is really of no relevance. Yeah. 
to to whether I mean it could be and like you said it I can assume it's eternal I can accept that mm-hmm. that uh, that position as true it doesn't change my perspective on what's right right it's like look um, I I'm always skeptical of this idea of an end of history this kind of like Marxist uh, notion of the end of history right where we just we reach a final state of um of norms or uh, social organization and things just don't change from there they don't go back they go forward they you've just reached the end point um i'm, I'm skeptical of that um and i think for a lot of people for, like look as you said it, it doesn't change anything about like how I treat other people or how I feel other people deserve to be treated. Right. Um, whether the state exists or not. Uh, it's just complete. That's completely irrelevant to me um, in this case. Uh, now, I do think, you know, you should be. I, I do think there is a case for long term hope. I do think there is a case for long term optimism. I don't want to make. I know some people when I when that uh, look, the state may be eternal. Maybe it is. Uh, some people can be very can turn into very. uh very, they can become very pessimistic because they think, oh, well, you know, this just sucks. Well, what am uh, I doing all this for? But, what am I reading all this for? Right. What am I believing right. all this for? And it's like, it, it mm-hmm. was, stop. You're thinking for like itself. Anton Chigurh. You're not thinking yeah, you're it doing or it. reading it or believing it for anything other than its you're, value it's as self. a correct thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's not some means to like some perfect utopia. That's not at the point. You, you missed the point. But but I, I do want to say that, like, you're, it, that type of thought process, for, for some people, when they become very pessimistic, oh, there is no hope then at all. I don't think that's the case either, though, right? Because, like, if you had explained to people who were living under monarchy about democracy, uh, most people would probably laugh and think you're crazy, uh, right? Oh, yeah, that'll never <laughs> uh, And that's not me defending democracy, but it's just the point that saying that, look— Social change happens, and it can be very unexpected. So you don't know what the future holds. It's impossible for anyone to know what the future holds. So to, to argue that, well, you know, it, it will be eternal. I'm not, because I'm not making the case it will be eternal, but I'm saying that, look, you should always hold the, you test your principles in theoretical conditions of that, you know, if, they, if it can survive, if your principles can survive the state being absolutely eternal and you're locked in Sisyphean struggle with it forever, then your principles are unbreakable pretty much at that point. Right. right. <laughs> like, you, uh, and that is the importance of pushing extremes because you can, uh, there's some people, I think Stefan Kinsella um, has um, called them way station libertarians, right? They're libertarians yes. up until things get dicey and then they hop off. They're on, right. they're on to the next thing. Um, yeah. The, the, so, I think the, the, the term, if I understand it correctly, the term comes from the idea that, um, there, there was an old incrementalist sort of, and I say old, I, I, I remember it from when I was first entering kind of these conversations and circles and things almost, uh, oh my God, it's been over a decade. Um, <laughs> I just realized how long I've been... you just had a moment of realization, like, oh my God, <laughs> holy shit. I'm, yeah. I'm almost no, 30 years old. For me though. Yeah. 10 years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I remember it from back then, which was like the, that libertarianism ultimately as a it was kind of an idea of 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 big tent libertarianism, whereby, look, libertarians, monarchists, uh, right wing anarchists, we can all get on the same train and where the minarchists want to hop off, they can hop off and the rest of us will just keep going down the track. And that was relatively quickly sort of overturned as like a, that's not really workable. 
as a as a as an idea because mm-hmm. the minarchist is, doesn't like you, anarchist. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. And he wants to use violence against you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It, it's great until you realize you're the last person on the train and everyone else is pointing guns at you. <laughs> it's exactly. That's exactly right. Um. And I think that's what that's that as I understand it is where that terminology sort of originates. That yes. idea of waystation yes, libertarians. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to explain because it, it, it. No, that's good. That was great content. Because it made me remind. It reminded me of that, and also it made me understand just how long I've been reading about it and thinking about this shit. Yeah. 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 Me too. Me too. <laughs> that was that was some shit back on back in the days. Oh boy, back in the days of Freebler. Were you ever on Tumblr in the Tumblr libertarian no, sphere? No, I have. I've never entered Tumblr. Uh, I found. I thought it was a wretched place, and I never went. <laughs> You were right. You were always right. Um, the that's where actually that's where I first uh, came in contact with Jeremiah Harding. Actually, many years ago. Oh, cool. Um, many many years ago, I was I was a I was an undergrad in college when that happened. Okay, Grandpa, next door. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's when I first came in contact with him, and and uh, and and I, I remember that was a meme that was kind of going around. The idea of of well we're all on the same train and people can just hop off where they want to when the state shrinks to the size that you would like it to you just hop off the train um with the, i think it was short-sighted <laughs> i mean it, it, that is a good argument for immediate incrementalism which is to say that you know reducing taxes on this product by x percentage right every that's something everyone can agree on yes but the further the train goes the more it's like oh this is doomed to fail well it Uh, felt it felt like and uh i liked the idea of it but it has always kind of felt dishonest to me yeah because it's always kind of felt like yeah guys i'm on this train with you but i want more Right, right. It's like, look, look, I could be the a communist could be on the train, too, because there's certain things I could agree with a communist on. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to gun at me. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the time we're approaching the end of the track, he's going to try and put me against the wall. I'm going to have to kill him right. and then I'm going to feel bad about it. Um, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the so it, it always kind of felt dishonest to me. I'm sorry. You were saying about Kin- Kinsella and no. Waystation Libertarians. No, I, I apologize. I think. Just, I think- I think there's a no, 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 you're fine. I think there's another one, um, which is to say that, like, if uh, what, how would it now? Now I lost it. Shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a way to frame it where it's like, yeah, look, we can make, you know, we can agree on these things. So let's do those. Right. right. And then we'll fight later. Uh, I can agree with that. Yes. I can agree with, you know, okay, we, we all agree with drug legalization here. Uh, let's do that, and then we'll kill each other over if the state should well, exist or not. It's just like Scott uh, and antiwar.com and the right. the single-issue uh, coalition for the anti-war thing. Um, it's, right. I, I, I've got no problem with that at all. That's yeah, no, yeah. effective. That's effective politicking, ultimately. I agree. Yeah. But no, like, um, with the, the way station libertarians thing, it, it's like, yeah, there's so, like, 
I think principles are tested in extreme conditions, right? Yes. Everyone can hold everyone can hold principles when things are going great, you know? <laughs> when 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 the principles are not actually tested, you can have all the principles in the world and everything is just a hunky dory, right? Right. Uh, it's real to me it really is only a, a question of uh, you know, what are your principles when the conditions become extreme? Now, um you know, some people will critique, like, for example, the immigration thing, because I harp on it a lot. And people will often, uh, like, sometimes I'll get critiques on Twitter about people who are like, why are you com- uh, talking about this, like, issue? Like, there's so many more important things, right? Right. And, uh, you know, well, maybe that's true. But to me, I've always viewed it as um, if you don't support the right of free, like, niche, the, the, the freedom of people in even niche circumstances— it seems to me that I, I kind of like un, don't like it seems like I don't trust you. And, so, and I, yep. I don't mean that in like a mean way. I'm, I'm just like I just mean in like I, I don't trust you. You're actually committed to freedom like how you say you are. Now, right. sure, we have to have priorities. Right. But but to attack. Some, but to like uh, say that someone shouldn't be like talking about this when there's other important things. I think it's wrong. Like, if, for we example, can't, if we um, can't in principle agree on this thing that that should be. Um, yeah. uncontroversially correct. If we can't, in principle, agree on that, what else do we disagree on? That, you know, it's also that just like, hasn't come to the surface. Yeah, uh, but it's also like you know, in the same way that for free speech, right? We say that if you don't support the right of people to say the worst possible things you could ever imagine, then you don't really support free speech. In the right. same way, I take that as an argument for is. Uh, uh, liberty itself right if you don't support people's rights even in the most niche circumstances or the most you know uh the circumstances that yeah kind of hurt a little bit yes um then i don't think you actually support liberty i think you you support it when it's comfortable yep uh the the summer soldiers and sunshine sunshine patriots thing where it's just like when everything's going good you're all about this but when it's actually time when it's actually going to fight for something when when things actually matter when the when as Ben Shapiro would say, when the pedal hits the metal, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> what do you actually it's believe? Also like, look, look, other people have different. Like, I, everyone has different priorities, and I'm not going to begrudge people for like not focusing on one thing when, when there's other things oh, out sure. there. Right? We all have to. We all have to prioritize. But uh, you know, the idea. I, I think there's a certain like libertarian strain that I think is sort of like unhelpful, where it's like they try to almost minimize the suffering some people uh just because they think some other thing is worse like like they, they some people will try to say that well the is not real it's not like a big deal they'll say right or something right. like that but you're, it's not your family that has an ice agent busting down their door at uh midnight uh to grab them and throw them into like a, a van yep somewhere to a deportation exactly. center right? as, as uh, much so. as as much as i'll make fun of aoc any day of the week i'm happy to do that um it is tragic to have kids sleeping on a fucking concrete floor in a cage yeah yeah, <laughs> like that is a bad thing, right? And I'll I'll make fun of AOC for turning it into a fucking photo op and for being a dumb bitch about it, but um, it's bad. <laughs> you know, like it's. Can we agree right. on that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's it's it, we, we and and because it's a small number again, it's kind of that. It's kind of like that sort of. It's not. It's not. 
it's in the vein to me of like vulgar consequentialism. It's not consequentialism. I'm not saying they're the same thing, but what I'm saying is it feels to me the same way. Um, where it's just because it's a small number of people whom it affects doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily doesn't mean it's not important. Like again, uh, I, I made this argument when we were talking about the day in court, right? Mm-hmm. How you'll get your day in court. Well, getting arrested, having to get a day in court is its own ordeal. The process is the punishment. And, and many people have never had to confront that possibility. Most people don't have to confront that possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, if they ever did, they would be shocked. They would be shocked about the reality of that situation. Um, just because it's a small number of people doesn't mean it's not important. Because it's, it is, it's life and death for them. Right. For that person, this is a life and death issue. Mm-hmm. This is the difference between whether or not their family stays together. This is the difference between whether or not they can afford food. This is the difference between, like, this means everything to them. Right. And in that sense, it's, it's unfair, I think, to, again, based on thinking in the aggregate on what affects the most people, I think it's unfair to disparage any given issue just because, well, it only affects X number of people. Right. Well, I don't care. It affects them in a dire way. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Right. It's like, yeah, most people don't get murdered. But you know what? Uh, the people who it's very important that, you know, I, if, you know, arguing for justice, that we at least rhetorically argue that those people shouldn't have been murdered. Even right. It's a very small number. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we have there are enti- there's an entire fr- uh, there's an entire section of thought. In the Second Amendment in particular, people who support the Second Amendment, people who support gun, gun ownership. There's an entire, it's an entire society of people who think mm-hmm. that, yes, it is rare that a bad thing happens to a person. That is, mm-hmm. you cannot argue with that. It's just true. Yeah. It's very rare right. that a bad thing happens to you, but I should be able to be prepared for that eventuality, for that possibility. Mm-hmm. Right. I should be able to defend yes. myself. This is the right that I have. And the the fact that I might never in my life need to is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that, apply that same thinking to all of it. <laughs> right. Like ap- apply that same thinking to every bit of it, because that yep. is direly important. And and even though you may never need to defend yourself in your entire life, you sh- you do have the right to be prepared for that. Um, and very few people have any need to be prepared for that, but it's not about need. Right. And so it's the same, it's the same kind of thought process to me where it's like, that's, it is, it is serious and, and deathly important to the people whom it affects. Yes. Yes. And and, and it has to be thought of in those terms. I'm sorry. Continue. No, no, you're fine. Uh, I was just thinking about like go what we were saying before about like how uh, people use like aggregates to try to like get around this. How they'll say that oh well, uh, th- th- this group you know is is likely to commit uh, you know this crime because you know thirty percent or whatever number they want to come up with or show. Um, it's interesting to me too that uh, these people like in their formulation of this, they're completely rejecting like the presumption of innocence. Oh like, yeah, out the window. <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. we're going to act as if you are committing this crime or about to commit this crime without any evidence, just because some people with, who who share certain, uh, like, uh, biological characteristics as you or ethnic characteristics. 
characteristics as you, uh, you know, just uh, did this thing. So we're going to assume you're just as dangerous. Because you have the misfortune of having been born a white woman, you no longer get to own a dog. Right. Exactly. You don't get to do that. Right. Yeah. And it's and it's and by the way, that wouldn't be particularly unfortunate, except for the fact that now we're making it a problem for you. (laughs) <laughs> because right. now we're saying you're not allowed to own a dog. Right, right. So it, it, I, I, it. <clears throat> we should yeah. we should talk uh, more about that thinking in aggregates later on on, on probably another we episode. Should, but that, we there's a yeah. there's a lot to mine there. But it's we've been everywhere going for, uh, I for see two it. hours and forty minutes already. It, once you start think, looking for it, you start to see it everywhere in a lot. Oh of yeah. <laughs> It's it's yeah, it's very And I think the observation very, that you made that 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 just because just because again for for sake of argument just because 30% of white women fuck dogs that doesn't mean a white woman is 30% likely to fuck a dog. Exactly. <laughs> that means 30% of white women are 100% likely to fuck it a doesn't dog. Doesn't mean <laughs> it doesn't mean that you, you know, you're justified in going to each individual white woman and assuming that about them even right. with no evidence. Right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't it, it it doesn't track again, it's a misapplication of the uh of it's a misapplication yeah. of the aggregate. Of what the aggregate's yeah. telling you. Right. Um yeah. yeah. Okay, we've been going for two hours and forty minutes. Yeah, I'm yeah, I've said all I can on this and uh, yeah, I, I, it's good to get it out of my system, so thank you for indulging no, me. No, absolutely. Uh, it's an interesting conversation. Uh to, to peek behind the curtain, uh Ace had texted me the other day and he said, Can we do an episode on immigration? And I was like, Sure. <laughs> whatever you want yeah. <laughs> and then we got on the call and it's like not much was going on i've got this cnn story and he goes well you want to talk about immigration sure let's have it let's let's have that conversation let's do it yeah um i i, I will shill my soap stack since it was i was kind of pulling from that so if you want to read the whole thing it's, it's kind of long but i i, I did go into more detail about i i, I presented quote citations from hoppa and some other um um like sources um that that he he's written on and some other people um in my substack is asarcus.substack.com and the piece i'm pulling from is called immigration privatization and ownership in commonwealth um and you can find that on my substack uh and if you want a more like detailed kind of like uh logical breakdown of what i did uh, in that uh piece uh you can read that so uh feel free and any critiques or comments you have on it feel free to post them in the comments below that um other than that uh, i'm ace underscore argus on twitter and i'll just plug that now all right uh i will link that Substack in the description of the episode um cool i will not put it on the i won't put it above the fold because then it'll go to twitter oh that's fine <laughs> yeah um yeah, yeah. yeah so it'll it'll be below the fold in the in the links area um okay. but the and and twitter twitter doesn't like Substack links Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I forgot. We, we got to talk about that. So we do. That's crazy. We do. We have to talk about what's going on with that fucking website. Because, dude, it's been. Did you see the fucking giving drill? Because, oh, my God. The, the OK. Oh, so yeah. there was the block the blue thing. Right. And drill yes, was kind of the nexus of that. And then they gave <laughs> drill a blue check. And then he changed his name to lose it. <laughs> and then they kept giving it to him. They gave it to him again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! 
Um, oh, actually, I do have uh, I do have another plug. Uh, I'm on Blue Sky now, which is Jack's other uh, his uh, his oh, I've been Twitter. Thinking his, about uh, that. Yeah. Uh, so on there, I'm Ace Arcus, and there's no underscore. It's just like my Twitter, except there's no underscore at uh, at Blue Sky Social App or whatever. It, yeah. So just Ace Arcus on there, and you should find me. I'll go um, grab Pacing Joska on there. Yeah, my profile looks just like my Twitter profile. So it should, is that did he is that federated or is it a uh, is it like uh, a Pleroma or a Mastodon instance that's defederated? I don't I don't think it's like Mastodon. I could be. Um, I'll have to check. I I, I don't I, I'm not. I was just on there because I know a bunch of other of my mutuals got on there and I didn't know much about. It quite honest so i just like i, I got an invite from uh, uh some uh, a mutual of mine which i'm very thankful for uh but i haven't looked i, I haven't been on there that much and i actually don't chew too much about it other than it, it looks yeah. very much like i know last time i know last time i looked into it i think the plan was for it to be federated to be i know that was Jack's plan. yeah it's still very much in the beta then you you have to get an invite like it's yeah. not like you, you just go up and uh yeah, yeah. So, uh, all right. You, you can, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm on there now. Uh, if anyone else is on there, you can uh, follow me there. Yeah, that's all I had. Uh, all right, sweet. Uh, Pacing Joska on Twitter, J O U S K A. Um, and that's, that's, that's that. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. See you next time, guys. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of The End Times Continue. For links and other information, come see us at TETC.show.